Well, apparently our, our show started a little early tonight. Uh, I was trying to fumble it with the buttons here, but uh, this is the uh, Cantina Mekis podcast. And thank you guys very much for joining us. We are live on YouTube here on Wednesday night, around 9, uh, between 9.15 and 9.30 Central. Every Wednesday, you can uh, catch another edition of the Cantina Mekis podcast. And of course, you can download this and other editions on iTunes. My name is John Jagu. Thank you very much again for joining us. We do have a uh, a good show uh, lined up for you guys uh, this week, as we always do. We have, a, again, a distinguished panel of guests. We have a special guest with us tonight. Uh, so we will uh, be jumping into our special guest as well. But thank you guys again for joining us. Go ahead and introduce the panel with us tonight over in Kyle, Texas, which is about uh, 40 miles from where I am right here in Lakeway, Texas. We have our technical director, the man who knows how to push all the buttons and make sure that we uh, appear live. Talking to Albert at Chiquis Campa. Albert, how are you? Hey, John. How's it going? How's, how's now, it going? You, you, you as, as the crazy cat person, cat lady, you had a rough week with your kitty cats last week, Chiquis. All, all of them lost. Oh, yeah. The, uh, the glorious Hagawares lost their, their streak. And Pumas lost, yes. and Tigres lost. Yep, sad uh, Does that mean that they're they're so? So what is what 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 does that do for for a Camigatos? I mean, when when all three of them, I mean, what uh, just uh, hide what in the state corner. of depression does does the, does the Camigatos go into when when that happens? Hide in the corner, maybe scratch up the curtains. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he would go to to, to choose a perro. <laughs> go from from cat to dog. Yeah, well, yeah. we do have we do have perros in the Liga Mekis, which we'll uh, get into here. Well, Chiquis, it's always good to have you on, man. <clears throat> Over in uh, Escondido, California, we have with us a gentleman who uh, I'm, I'm assuming is enjoying his Irish whiskey. Indeed, I am, and uh, enjoying his the resurgence of his Santos. How are you, uh, Daniel Preciado? I'm good. Uh, good, John. Uh, evening, guys. Um, yeah, happy, happy uh, that the team is still undefeated. Uh, but we dropped two points. Well, we did. Possible, so that was not great. But you know, I think that both teams showed enough in, in that game to, uh, you know, I think fans of both should 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 be a little bit more optimistic, though. Especially Cruz Azul, I think that they're starting to come around a little bit, and you know, Santos is going to be glad that they caught him. Well, you know, I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to build a, a championship run here, you know. So I already said like, we're going to make the EF no sweat, but so so you've gone <laughs> from sweating relegation to now we're going to win the championship in a span no, of like no, three no. weeks. I, I'm okay. just hopeful. I'm just hopeful right. that that maybe they could get on go on a run. That's all. Well, uh, not expecting it. It's not not surprised at all. Santos, uh, you know, traditionally at least over the past twenty years has been very consistent. So. I don't think it would be surprising at all to see them back, as I'm sure you, where you think back where they belong. Exactly. Yeah, and now now we're producing talent too, so it's not like they're just uh, buying good players and plugging them in. They're actually uh, nurturing their own, so that's good. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, there were a couple of guys that actually uh, I really enjoyed. Uh, Watching because I did get to watch that. I think the like the only game I really got to watch the full ninety was the Santos game. It was uh, against Cruz Azul. It was enjoyable. A gentleman who uh, was very happy with the results of what happened over the weekend, 
with his uh oh wrong team wrong button there. <laughs> Sorry about that, Fernando. With the Monterrey winning, they beat my Pumas 2-0. Uh, it probably should have been more. It was uh, as emphatic a win as, as we've seen in a while from them. So uh, congratulations to you, Fernando, for the big win. Thank you, sir. That's the, sure reason why, that's the reason why I came in today, just to make sure that we make that you watch that game. Thank you. I didn't get to watch it. I was actually driving back from a, a little outpost here in Texas called Stephenville. And... Uh, was having a hard time keeping up with anything because I was, I mean, literally in the, in like the, like the deadest part of the state, but we, uh, we digress. Fernando, your boys went to zero. Is it, uh, now are you upset? Because I know that you're, that you want your boy, uh, Mohammed out. So does this prolong the inevitable or do you think that, 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 that this changes, does this change things? No, um, <clears throat> you know what? Uh, I still think the same way, you know, but, you know they're they're gonna be teams that are beneath us, so it's okay. <clears throat> this is expected. So that, this is an expected result. So I still haven't changed my mind. Now, when you say beneath you, what exactly do you mean by that? Oh, you know, uh, the course of this tournament, you know, teams of lesser quality or or teams of le- of lesser standing in the. No, it, it, you can you can uh, interpret as how you whichever you. Think well, I'm asking you. I'm asking you to interpret. <laughs> Oh well, that's not, well, well, I'm just saying that uh, that this season, you know, yeah, the Monterrey is pretty high up in the standings above Pumas. Therefore, uh, I'm pretty sure that was pretty clear in the beginning. I don't know. Did you take offense to that? I'm sorry. I'm not taking offense at all. I'm just, uh, I'm just, uh, just honestly, checking. I'm just, yeah, I'm just trying to, trying to, trying to put you in a corner. But, right. uh, but you came out of it very nicely. But no, for now, your 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 team did well. I mean, seriously. I mean, the fact you know, you know, it's only a matter of time for a team like that to get going. And when they do, obviously, you know, they're going to be a very, very dangerous team. So, you know, obviously, for for fans of Liga MX, you know, we would want to see the good teams do well. And uh, you know, Monterrey is obviously a good team, and we want them to do well because it makes the league look better. So, thank you for joining us, Fernando. And uh, I guess we'll talk to you next week. No, I'm kidding. Hold on. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll continue. Out in uh, in South Los Angeles, we have with us a gentleman who I'm sure would be very happy if he got to gloat a little bit uh, about his uh, Chivas winning the Clásico Tapatio. But Joel, I was asking you earlier in the week, of course, I'm talking to Joel Aceves in California. I mean, seriously, is it even on your radar anymore, the Clásico Tapatio? Yeah, I don't even know why they consider it a derby. Atlas hasn't done anything in like a hundred years, John. If I'm Chivas at this point, I'd rather wait for Tecos or Leones Negros to come back and, and start a more a more meaningful rivalry right there. Those are those are uh, those are some harsh words. I wish I had an Atlas fan to, to rebut. But I mean, seriously, they they is, are there. I never met an Atlas fan. You know, it's, uh, Victor Maybe I'm wrong here, though, Joel. But isn't it? Isn't um? It seems like Chivas is. Well, they produce players, but my point is um, that I was going to say is doesn't it seem like that uh, seem like a more worthy derby now that Chivas isn't winning anything either? Chivas, hey, <laughs> we won uh, Copa MX and Super Copa MX, and we won the Titans Cup. We just beat Boca Juniors for the that's true. Titans of that the Continent true. Cup. 
and they had the little, the little, the little big, the little big air guys, and then like they popped the confetti and the whole bit, right? Did they have? Did they take the trophy down to? Uh, did they have a parade with it on the bus the next day, Hoy? Right there, went to Minerva. Yeah, they went to Minerva. Three, three trophies there. We have to extend the cabinet, make room for that. That's right. The 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 the, the third trophy of the of the twenty first century. I thought you guys should, <laughs> yeah. you, you guys should be, you know, getting ready for that Copa MX Campeonissimo, man. Come on, man. Get it going. Well, I don't think the one, one Copa MX is Mexa Campeonissimo, but uh, that, that's right. Speaking of, they're playing Venados right now. It's 0-0 zero, zero in the 25th yeah. minute. And, uh, you know, I was asking you, I know, and again, another probing Chivas question. When, when this game is on, who does Alberto Medina, Medina, Alberto Medina root for? He, he's still a Chivas, John. He's and, still uh, there? And I, no, no, he's he's still playing. I, I forgot the club, but that guy is from the Cantera, man. So you're saying he's uh he's Rayado through and through. It won't, it won't ever change. Yeah. Chiva de corazón, man. She's just like Massa Rodriguez, right? He's he's one too, but you know they didn't treat him good. The directiva. No. They didn't treat they didn't treat none of the players. Good. <laughs> Other the ones that left never came back because they didn't, they didn't do anything to bring them back. Now, uh, ho- hopefully, your uh, your your Chivas compatriot will join the call a little bit later, so you guys can can do a, another twenty second deep dive of of Chivas player personnel. Joel, always always good to have you on, man. Thank you, sir. Glad to be here. A pleasure. And now, I'll introduce our special guest, uh, the gentleman who is the uh, English language voice of the. Uh, Azteca America broadcasts in San Diego. Also uh, writes for SoccerNation.com and some other websites. Uh, of course, I'm talking about Nate Aburre, Aburrea, El Vasco. Ah, the second the second attempt was spot on there. If if you fail once, try again there. Aburrea, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have to do a a, a Basque language lesson uh, here on oh, the Basque. on Aburrea. the Cantina Mayakis podcast. Aburrea. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Aburrea. Oh, see, once yeah, see. he knew, once he knew it was Basque, now he just well, yeah. now it just slips right off the tongue. Yeah. There you go. Aburrea. See, if I I was trying, I was trying to honestly, I was trying to gringify it, so that's why it, it was. <laughs> but if I'd have just known to pronounce it in Spanish, I would have had no problem at all. We oh, just need to keep it, it uh, keep it to Monterey, uh, John. Your gringoisms. Monterey. I get. Can you believe yeah. that name? I get in trouble here on the podcast when I say Monterey and I, and I say Monterey. And it's no, just sad because because my my family lived there when I was really young. Or I guess they moved to Mexico, moved back. To, so the, they said Monterey my entire life. So just something that just stuck with me. But oh, apparently, uh, apparently yeah, it's a terrible thing to say. Every time, like you uh, that you say Monterey or whatever, is such dishonorable way of saying that. Just burn yourself yeah. a little bit in your skin, so that way you remember yeah. every time. Does Victor Manuel Vucetich lose a year of his life every time I say it? <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you something here. It's, it's funny because, because someone saying Monterey doesn't actually really get to me too much. There's, there's other, somebody could just say Pachuca and just kind of put a, put a gringo accent on anything. And it doesn't really bother me too much. The one thing that actually is the ultimate pet peeve is not a, uh, gringoification of any sorts it's just people adding a letter that doesn't exist in the name tijuana uh uh so so commonly we have we have people who say tia juana and and it is nobody's aunt um it is it is a a t and a juana 
and and you can say it in any accent that you like. So so if we're talking uh, mispronunciations in the world of Mexican soccer, and, and we're talking about ones that that maybe you know ruffle some feathers of the folks here on this panel, that is that is mine. Uh, and and I have to give credit where credit's due to the mayor of San Diego, Mr. Kevin Faulkner, who in the most gringo of gringo voices every time says it just like this: Tijuana. Oh, nice. Tijuana. Cheers, Kevin Faulkner. That is uh, that is good to hear. Now, now, obviously, Cholos has a, a symbiotic relationship with the San Diego, with the the, the closeness that the city's. Uh, you know, they they occupy it's like the, the metropolitan area. When they won the title back in was it 2011, Cholos did it made the front pages of the San Diego paper, which I always thought was was very interesting. So, my question to you is: just how popular are Cholos in San Diego? Yeah, it was the it was the 2012 season. Actually, it was the the 2012 Apertura uh, when when Cholos won the championship. And I actually hadn't moved down to San Diego at that point. I was still living up in uh, up in Northern California. And it was funny. I actually have a, a crazy backstory of following Leon uh, during during much of my childhood. So my first introduction to Cholos and Liga MX was actually. Not, not a good one. Uh, that, that famous semifinal, uh, against Leon in that 2012 Apertura where they came back, uh, from, from 2-0 down. Um, but since moving down here, um, and studying the history of that, and, and I encourage everybody to check out it's a, a fabulous documentary, uh, that came out recently called Club Frontera. Um, I know there's been a number of other, uh, just great, great pieces of writing and, and all sorts of good stuff about what that championship meant for not only the people of TJ, but for the people of SD. Um, and, and you're talking about a city that has one of the biggest collective championship droughts uh, in, in American sports. And, and obviously with the, the San Diego Chargers leaving up to Los Angeles here uh, a few weeks ago and, and all that that entails, but whether it was the Chargers in their 50 plus years here in San Diego, whether it's the Padres on the baseball diamond going back to the old San Diego Clippers of the NBA, nobody has ever won a championship uh, in, in a major American sports league here in, in the city of San Diego. So from everything that I've studied and everybody I've talked to um, on on both sides of the border, but in particular here here in SD where I'm I'm sitting and talking to you right now, there was this sense of as soon as the championship was won, I mean that was the authentication process just put into rapid speed. That was oh they're they're definitely a San Diego team now. They 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 got us a championship. Let's go. And and one of my favorite stats of all. John is, you know, 27,000 people, 27,333, uh, packing a Stadio Caliente for, for every Friday night home game in, in Liga MX play. And on average, uh, 8,000 plus are coming from the American side of the border and, and going home. I mean, that's, that's the thing that, you know, you, you have to get down here and see. It's the happiest place on earth. Tijuana! <laughs> Uh, see, Krusty, see, Krusty's got to work. Krusty's got to work on his pronunciation right there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's, that's what I'm talking about. That is pretty amazing. But, uh, but 8, no, that's people. When, when you talk about John, 8,000 people. 8,000 8, people. That's fascinating to me. And that was one of the first things that jumped out to me. And, and when I hear what, you know, the, the motto of, of sin fronteras and, and what football without borders means. I mean, that's, it's, it's epitomized in, in that statistic right there. And absolutely. Cholos, Cholos are a San Diego team. And, and when you look, on a deeper level too, the, the symbolism of a man by the name of Joe Corona gored the first top flight goal 
for Cholos after promotion in 2011. That's a, a national city, San Diego County native. When you got Paul Ariola out there just wreaking havoc up and down the right wing with those runs of his and, and doing as well as he's doing here this season, that's another San Diego native. I mean, it's a, it's an amazing, amazing connection. Uh, between these two cities and one of the most unique existences as far as geography goes for me that I've I've ever seen in in North America or really around the world for that matter. Quick so, question on that though, on that 8,000. How many of those are are non uh Mexican, non Portugal American <laughs> to go to that, that game? To go to the games and <laughs> real, real nice, Beto, real nice. No, that is a serious it's no, it's a very serious question, and it's something that I think is growing uh, with time. I'm not going to put any specific number to that question. I'll just say that the heavy majority are are Latinos coming from San Diego. There's people who come all the way. Why, why I, I phrase it? People coming from people coming from the northern side of the border. There's people who come down from L.A. For home games. I mean, people who, who fell in love with, with what Cholos were and, and still are after 10 years of existence since the founding in, in 2007. And so I, I would definitely say that the heavy, heavy majority are, are Latinos coming from the American side of the border. However, there's uh, a man by the name of Marty, uh, who is known as the, the famous gringo Cholo. Uh, he's had a number of, uh, of, uh, documentary pieces made about him. The good folks over at Kick TV. Uh, or I should call them Kick now, uh, made, made a great piece, uh, on Marty, Univision, San Diego, and Univision, uh, Tijuana have both some, some fantastic pieces, uh, on, on Marty. Check out, check out the gringo Cholo and, uh, everything he's trying to do. And, and I just, I love what Marty talks about. It's just a, a white skin surfer dude from Mission Beach, San Diego saying, Hey, the, the more, white skin folk that can go down to these games and and show that we can and the the more that that does in in the face of you know what well what we're what we're being faced with in this country right now and and a lot of people being you know not not necessarily all too enthusiastic about unity right now uh in in the face of of a lot of tyrannical fear down here on this border and so the more the more people to put it as frank as possible here uh the more people of of anglo backgrounds the more lighter skin gringo english speaking folk that go down to cholos games the more that does for for positive usa mexico relations and specifically for where i'm at right now and where we're at in this city for the relationship between san diego and and tijuana which is a, a fascinating one as we've already talked quite a bit about would you consider so, cholos to be more popular than the padres in San Diego, or is there or no chance? <laughs> I don't know, but I, I would give that kind of an apples and oranges, John. I wouldn't necessarily say more popular than than anything, or, or less popular than anything. They're definitely here. They've they've definitely made a footprint, and I have to say, you know, this is not to not to be too harsh on on any of the other aspects of of all the other efforts that Cholos have put in to be a, a staple here in the San Diego community. But the number one thing that made them popular in San Diego was winning a championship in their first year in the top <laughs> flight. I mean, that was it's it's amazing what winning does, and uh, you know, with that was was the ultimate blessing, and and they built on that championship there. It's funny you bring up the Padres because actually every year 
the Padres put on a really cool event uh, here at Petco Park. And it's something similar. I haven't seen this around too many other cities around America. I grew up with it up in the Bay Area where, where the San Francisco Giants and, and the Oakland A's would do stuff like this all the time where they'd have the the Raiders, Niners, Warriors, and Sharks mascots would all come for an annual Bay Area sports day and have this whole extravaganza at the ballpark. And the Padres do something very similar and you have it's it's fascinating for me seeing this where at that event every year is the the cholo mayor i mean the the mascot of cholos is at home plate running the bases at petco park and 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 he's out there the same as as the padres mascot and and the san diego state aztecs football program and and basically just being a part of the sport being seen of San Diego. So no, there the the club is here and and the 10 year anniversary was just celebrated and and I feel like there's a lot more work to be done and a lot more work that is going to be done and I know where we're going to eventually go with with this conversation in terms of Cholos being, you know, really someone who who provided the impetus in a lot of ways for for English language coverage and and I'm someone who's lucky enough to to call games for Club Tijuana in in English and now now I ain't the only one uh, calling League Amiyaki's games. We ain't the only one calling League Amiyaki's games uh, in English. So now it's kind of like, hey, everybody else, the 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 giants around everywhere else have been woken up, and it's time for time for Tijuana and San Diego to to up their game even more. Well, sure, and of course you're referring to the the news that uh, they wouldn't even soon announced that they were going to be broadcasting English language. Uh, ver- uh, Broadcasts of the Liga Mekis games on Facebook Live now again, but this isn't the first time that this has happened because ESPN did this uh, two or three years ago. Uh, I forget exactly what year it was where they they, they did it where they broadcast some of the uh, the uh, Azteca you're... games, the TV Azteca games on ESPN News and occasionally ESPN Two, but they, they they barely promoted it. It just they just happened to have them on. You're right, John. I was actually going to to comment about that because I, I do recall a couple of years back, you know, hearing MX uh, Liga Mekis games in English. But you know they didn't really advertise anything or or, or promoted. Yeah. It was almost like yeah, they were contractually was obligated was... to carry them because they because they got the right. Rights and there the was Fox team. Sports, uh, Fox Fox Soccer Channel, and going back to the uh, the Fox Sports World days, there was this funny few years where they got they got rights to Cruz Azul games, and so there were actually uh, Cruz Azul Liga Mekis games were were on Fox Soccer back in about like. 06, 07, and it was the same type of thing where there was no promotion for it. They kind of, it just fell into their laps for free and they said, ah, what the hell else are we going to put on Saturday at three o'clock? Yeah, here, we'll, we'll put the Cruz Azul games on and we'll, we'll market it as Liga Amiaki soccer. And well, that was about it. And then that went away. Cruz Azul is actually a, a very good pick for, for, for San Diego, for fans of, of San Diego sports that they, they fit right in with uh, winning droughts. Yeah. With, 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 <laughs> with, uh, with the not winning tradition of San Diego teams. <laughs> hey, so Nate, quick question. Uh, since uh, many panel members, well, not my, but some of our listeners are not familiar with, with the Nate Agurrea. So are you a U.S. fan or a Mexico fan in terms of national teams? 
Ooh, we are we are jumping right into the juicy stuff here. Uh, well, I am I am a lifelong uh, United States men's national team supporter. I grew up in in a ninety percent Mexican populated town uh, in in Watsonville, California, and so I've written uh, a number of articles. Actually, our our mutual acquaintance uh, Wieso Vasquez and all the good folks over at at Footmax Nation and and our friends. Johnny Rico and Cesar Hernandez have, have had to hear these stories over and over and over again about how I grew up surrounded by Mexican soccer. Um, and, and I was a, a Mexican, uh, you know, in, infatuated with the Mexican league and, and with the Mexican national team. But I was also in love with, with my little underdogs in red, white, and blue. And, and it's funny hearkening back to those days and remembering when, when they were just the little underdogs in red, white, and blue going down and getting a nil-nil draw at Azteca with 10 men after Jeff Agus got sent off back in that quality of 96 and the, the first win in Columbus in 2001 and, and what that meant kind of being surrounded by, by the Mexican soccer culture as, as all that was going on was, was amazing. So it's, it's incredible to see how far the rivalry has come. You know, when I was first getting to know it, it wasn't even a rivalry at all. There was no rivalry between USA and Mexico. It was, you know, it was, it was the big dogs and the little dogs. Um, now, now there's definitely a rivalry these days and it's crazy to see how, how far it's come. But, you know, I, I, I got much love for, for both sides. I've become, uh, I don't want to say less of a fan. I'm still a, a fan at heart, no matter what my broadcasting or journalism career does. But, uh, I've definitely become, a little bit more of a neutral observer, uh, shall we say, from from time to time, Fernando. As you as you yourself remember during that uh, that Mexico run at the Copa America. Yes, that's what I was going to bring up. How were you feeling on that day? I, if I remember, recall, you just wanted to interview the players when we were at the mix zone. But I don't know, man. I remember you were kind of happy that day. <laughs> I had I. See, for that- I know what Fernando's trying to get at. Fernando was doing this that night. Like it was, it was the two 0 win over Jamaica at the Rose Bowl, and and Fernando just kept looking at me, going, "Man, you seem really happy right now. You seem like you've just had a really good day. Are you are you sure there's not a green shirt underneath your red, white, and blue? Are you sure? Are you sure you're not gonna come around one of these days?" And I'm like, "Nah, man. I can I can have a good time. I can I can barbecue in the parking lot and 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 dance the cumbias and and sing corrido songs and and have a good time." We're all gonna go late. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you know I—I'll I, tell you what—I feel like Rodney Dangerfield when I'm at a Mexican game. I mean, I, I get—I tr- get treated like it's uh, like we're at Caddyshack. You know? How did you—how uh, did you get started with Azteca? Uh, well, the, the situation came about, uh, with, with Cholos. Uh, the situation came about, uh, with, with jumping in, uh, with, with Club Tijuana and everything, uh, that they're doing and their connections, uh, here in San Diego. And there is, uh, just a great, great crew down here. Uh, Ivan Orozco is, uh, the English language communications, uh, director, uh, an English language media director, uh, down here with Club Tijuana. Uh, a woman by the name of Kim Tate, uh, who is now the English director over there at Santos Laguna, uh, the only other full-time English language uh, media department in Liga MX at this moment. 
Uh, Kim was in Tijuana for a while and, and there's just so much that was laid out before I ever got here. And, and as soon as I saw it, I said, Hey, knock, 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 let me in, baby. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to, ready to be a part of this thing. And it, it very much speaks to my heart and, you know, what Fernando was bringing up there as far as my, my upbringing with Mexican soccer, but being, you know, being a, a an English speaking American who, who is also just surrounded by Mexican culture my entire life. Um, it is, it is something that very much speaks to me, everything that, that Club Tijuana represents and on the media level and everything now here with, uh, with Azteca San Diego as well. Now, do you prefer to broadcast with a headset or, 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 or in front of a mic or holding a mic? Ooh, ooh we're getting into, into the, the, the technical questions here. I like, I like headsets. I, I like headsets for the reason that I am, I then have full use of, of the table in front of me and both of my hands and I can, I can write, I can, I can slap somebody, I can, I can do anything I want. And it's a little bit harder, you know, right now I got the, you know, got the, got the mic in the hand and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here in San Diego like a, like a rapper. You need to buy your own headset and bring it with you. Well, well, we'll try. We'll try. I mean, I'm seeing, I know these Cantina Mayaki's podcasts are, are going to get me the, the big promotional deals. So, you know, Sony, <laughs> any other companies, if you're out there listening, like, you know, Paul, I'll be your, I'll be your headset guinea pig. Absolutely. Sennheiser, Bear. Get a, get a pair of Sennheiser 400s, man. You'll, yeah. are they paying you, man? They better be paying huh? you, man. That, that was like the most confident sponsor plug I've ever heard. Well, that's, that's what we use for the, for the shows that, that we produce. So, oh, uh, okay. Okay. The, they, they work, uh, they they do work they do work very well. Now, so you've you've had a chance to to go to obviously Mexico games throughout your career, and, and you uh, you did uh, manage to uh, uh, cover the Blazer Bowl up in Pasadena. I guess it was two years ago now, a year and a half ago. And uh, and, and, and Tuca Ferretti, you were able to get a really really good uh, almost impassioned response out of out, out of Tuca. So so what 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 kind of connection do you you and Tuca have? Oh wow! Well, I I want to I want to actually ask. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna see if I can come back in on this here in like 30 seconds. I want to give I want to give Jolie I want to give Joel uh, a chance to to because he was in the room when this happened and and he's read this this full article and and heard this full interview uh, before. Jolie, what do you remember about about my my connection with Tuca Ferretti? I'll put it in my own words in a second. I want to hear your take on this. No, no, I just heard your take, Nate. I, I actually, I stayed in the, in the um, press box. I had to, I had to finish, uh, I had to finish an article and I, I just stayed writing the whole time. Now was I, it, I, uh, I missed it. You I mean, the lacking of the eyes. Actually, you caught Tuca on the wind because if, you know, if you ask him a question. No, le voy a discutir con usted. You could turn no, off yourself. So, so, so please, uh, what, what was it that you, uh, I, I will. T- I'll tell you. I'll tell you the story. I, I remember Joel, the reason why why Jolie was talking to me about it because he was up in the press box. So what they would do at, at the Copa or uh, at the at the Concacaf Cup, and then they did it during the Copa America as well. And and this is during any major tournaments. Writers will stay up in the press box and uh, they'll they'll play. They'll take the audio from the press conference that's going on like a mile and a half away on the other side of the stadium. Uh, they will take that audio and play it in in the press box and so i had a couple of different writers after because i went back up to to grab my stuff from the press box after the the whole ordeal and people saying wow man that was that was some deep stuff in there with tuca and i didn't really realize it at the moment um i i asked him tuca had this thing you remember tuca ferretti was in this interim manager role right yeah he he took it over for three games for for the concacaf cup and 
I remember talking to Gustavo Mendoza uh, on I was I was hosting a radio I was hosting World Soccer Talk Radio at the time and I did a, a live remote from the Rose Bowl on uh, on the Friday before that Saturday game and Gustavo Mendoza of uh, of Fox Sports in Mexico he had this this great line where he said Nate you know it's it's the Tuca that you're seeing today in in training in in this this Friday pregame press conference this is not the normal Tuca this is this very almost like bizarre alternate universe Tuca where he's just, he's very grateful. He's very happy to be here. He's just trying to, in his own words, he's trying to just, just give back to Mexican soccer. And it, it's such a blessing to be able to give as a human being. And he feels so grateful to be here. And, and Gustavo Mendoza was just telling me over and over, he's like, you know, come to a, come to a Tuca Ferretti press conference after a, a Tigres loss and, and you'll see the difference of. And on that note, uh, everybody remembers that game. Everybody remembers the just incredible spectacle that was 93,000 people at the Rose Bowl. Aguilar scores the winner in the 118th minute. Mexico win 3-2. And. Jurgen Klinsmann's press conference was just an absolute disgrace, just filled with all sorts of just lying and, and lameness that we got to know and associate uh, with Jurgen and his time with the U.S. men's national team. And then in comes Tuca, and he's just got this big ear-to-ear grin on his face. The glasses are kind of falling partway down his nose, and he's just... The, the CONCACAF officials after like eight questions are like, all right, the, like you've, you've done the mandated amount of time. And Tuca just looks at, at the press officer and goes like, I'm willing to take more. Like I'm, I'm having a really good time right now. I would love to take more questions. That's and he fantastic. starts, and he starts calling on people himself and he starts looking around at people and, and he, he calls on, on a couple different people. And then finally the press officer is like, all right, or, and, and, I raise my hand. I'm thinking, oh, what the heck? Give this shot. And I raise my hand. He points down to me. And I look and I say, uh, hola, Tuca, un, un pregunta en, en inglés, está bien? And he looks at the press officer and he goes, and the press officer goes, si, Tuca, si. And he goes, eh, pues inglés está bien. And he, and he looks back at me. And I ask this question in English to him. And I, I say, Tuca, Yesterday at the press conference, you used the word gratitude. I think it was used the word love, thankfulness, and gratitude. You used those three words more than I've ever heard any human being in a in a ten minute span. After a game like the one we saw tonight, how do you feel about you know love, thankfulness, and gratitude? And and he like pulls off his glasses and does his little glasses wipe, and then like. Stro- like strokes his mustache yeah, a couple times. He does a full and just looks crazy at- on you. Wow. Oh, exactly. And just looks down at me and like doesn't look away for like two and a half minutes and proceeds to give like I'm like almost like choking up, like crying, thinking about this. I, I wrote that he uh, he sounded like something between a, a a Buddhist monk and a Catholic priest. Like it, it was this just incredible speech about what it means to be grateful and and how our our greatest power as human beings is the the ability to give and and all i wanted to do was 
give back to Mexican football for everything that Mexican people and, and Mexican culture gave me as an outsider from the time I first stepped foot in the country as a player. And I just wanted to give these fans a trip to the Confederations Cup. And I know I'm not going to be here much longer, but if I can look back on my short time with this national team and know that I gave back to these people, you know, that, that makes me proud as a man. And I'm just like, there's like oh, one teardrop. Brian in the press box when you were hearing this. Oh, there was there was like almost one, and I looked around me, and I wasn't <laughs> the only one. There were like other people who, and I think what it was, I go back to what Gustavo Mendoza touched on, where it was people who were so used to, you know, I, I wasn't as used to covering Tuca as most of the people in that room. So I think actually there was almost more shock and just like the the one teardrop roll down feel from other people in the room who were used to, you know. Nuevo León freak out after Nuevo León freak out from Duca and, and hearing just this, this beautiful impassioned speech. It was, it was one of my favorite moments in my, my young writing and, and broadcasting career. And I will always have, have much love for, for the crazy man in the Ferrari, uh, after, after that night in October of 2015. So, well, hey, Duca, so, I'm sorry. Do you have a like a video of that uh, uh, of that answer? Do you know if it's been broadcasted anywhere? Somebody had it on Periscope. Uh, I think Gustavo actually had it on Periscope, so you, you could like dig in uh, about like a year, eighteen months or so into uh, into the Periscopes and see if it's still there. But other than that, man, it might just it might just be floating out in in the the space of of you know footballing romanticism out there in the world. You, wow. you know, this this result, this result for Tuca, it was like at least over 20 years in the making. And it's interesting, if we go back to the World Cup, 1994 World Cup, and uh, and the coach was uh, Miguel Mejia Barón. And, and Tuca was an assistant. Yeah, yeah, he was he was an assistant. And he had been touted as, as coach for many years. He would He would make the list of possible candidates. But for one reason or another, he would never. Well, he, he would never lend the hot seat because of the fact that he saw what Mejia don't had to go through. That he he never. He's like, I don't want to mess with any of that. And that's why he did what he did because he didn't have to mess with that. And he would just do his four games. And if it, you know if it turned out for him, then he, you know, they were they were begging him to stay when they were beating whoever it was that they were playing in. Uh, and it was Panama, in Toluca. Like, like no, que quédate tú, quédate. Because <laughs> yeah. you know. You know yeah, and for him to return and, and, you know, the tables turned. Now Varon is his assistant. So it's very, yeah, very meaningful for him. Yeah. And some uh, fascinating tie-in uh, with Mejia Barón, the man who who famously or, or infamously, depending on how you want to look at it, left uh, one one Piojo, Miguel Herrera, uh, off, of, off of the 1994 uh, World Cup roster after uh, after Herrera's temper tantrums on the field at Azteca in the in the qualifiers in '93, and so uh, the the way the the way the folklore all ties together in Mexican soccer with the with the coaches and and when you start studying these guys' playing careers and how Miguel Mejia Barón actually was was one of the main reasons why Tuca became a manager in the first place and and all those those famous Pumas teams and and how Tuca was was the captain who got the got to wear the captain's armband maybe a little bit longer than some would have liked because Miguel Mejia Barón looked at him as basically a, a glorified assistant coach who was also still a player and and how he became a coach because of Mejia Barón and and now 
with Tigres, Mejia Barón saying, oh, I'll kind of come out of retirement to be your, your consigliere of sorts here, to be your, be your confidant, uh, with you now. It's, it's so, so fascinating. And I thought the whole thing, if there was one character, I remember during that CONCACAF Cup that I was just feeling, I don't want to say sorry for, and it's amazing how his tenure has, has turned out. I, I just kept thinking about this, this one Carlos Osorio character. I was like, this is the, the ultimate lose-lose situation that I've ever seen where this guy, this guy beats the U.S. and this, this emotional 3-2 victory. He's, he's up on the podium talking to me, sounding like a Buddhist monk and, and everyone in Toluca is begging him to stay that night during that friendly a few days later. And I'm thinking, how is Osorio supposed to come into this situation and succeed? How is there going to be anything ready for success for JCO when this whole thing happens? And lo and behold, uh, it's it's been a tough ride for JCO. Yeah, the um, such a tough ride. Even that, uh, I mean, Hoy and I are halfway expecting Tuca to uh, to make a to make another appearance before the the Russia World Cup, but. Uh, or maybe, or maybe Piojo makes another appearance. Well, uh, that's uh, that's that's a distinct possibility too. It's something that we've that we've discussed. Speaking of, uh, speaking of Piojo, he he missed out on the World Cup, but he did make it to the Panini sticker book. So if you, he did. He has one of my all-time favorite. It's funny how he brings this up. He actually has one of my all-time favorite Paninis, and it's it's sad because he never actually got to play in that World Cup. But that is the. Uh, I was just talking about this with Cesar Rendes, uh the other day. The uh, the iconic uh, Piojo mullet of uh, of 1993. It is it is one of the best paninis of all time. Well, see now, now that that's a question that I think that that, that, that any any Cholos fan would have to answer. You know, you know, gun to your head, do you go do you go Piojo mullet or do you go uh, Martinone slickback? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Are the, are, the hair, are the haircuts going to duke it out in an airport? I don't know. Well, uh, it, it's uh, it's entirely up to you. But uh, you know, gun to your head, which one which one do you uh, do you go with? I mean, I, I'm I'm a big fan of uh, of of Joe Dirt, so uh, I, I got to go with the mullet. I got to go See, with the piojo, the the Mexican Joe Dirt. I would combine them both. I would go mullet and slick the hair back, so that it's it's like it's slicked back like, all the way down past. The you didn't tell me that was an option. Well, you know. like, I would I would have gone with that absolutely. You didn't tell me there was a third option. Well, I guess I just uh, I guess I had just thought of it. Pardon. <laughs> Have you had? Do you, do you get a chance to go to the uh, the Piojo pressers after the uh, after the Cholos games, or do you have to scurry back to wait in your three hour line to get back to San Diego? Uh we we do have to scurry back. We 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 basically just wait it out. We go uh, we go find some spots in in Tijuana. We've got some of our our favorite uh, favorite taco spots down in Tijuana, and uh, we we go kind of we kind of like wait it out, and then because midnight about midnight is one of the biggest rushes of all. So you either you go right after the game or you wait for a few hours and kind of let it thin out uh, for a little while. No, I go to just about every Piojo uh, press conference, and he uh, he he's actually very I don't want to say subdued, uh, but over the last few months in particular, it's it's a very and I know he was he was ejected from the the playoff loss uh, to to Leon, or actually the game that that they won that incredible game back in uh, in November where they almost came back uh, again in uh, in the playoffs against Leon, but eventually Baselli scored that goal late. But uh, Biojo was ejected from that game in the seventh minute. But other than that moment, he actually is a very talk about you know 
coaches showing different sides of themselves. Uh, Piojo is, has been very calm uh, as, as Cholo's manager. And, and just a, a real quick kind of funny story on this note. There was the reporter back. I forget what game it was. It was, it was one of the one, they, they won a bunch of different one nil games, uh, during the, the first place run, uh, in Apertura in 2016. It might have been after the Pumas game in August or, or I forget which one it was, but some reporter asks him, uh, in, in, in Spanish asks him, uh, something to the effect of, Hey, you know, it, it, we, we see goals get scored and, and you don't look as happy as you once did. Like, you know, what happened to, to the, the famous, the famous things that have been turned into gifts? You know, you, you in the 2013 final with America, you in the, the World Cup with Mexico, you know, are, are these goals for Cholos not as important to you? And sort of like put them on the back foot with that, you know, or put them on the defensive with that of, you know, oh, or why, why aren't you celebrating like the Piojo that we know? And, and Piojo gave this, this really interesting answer where he kind of, he he kept saying, "Hey, you know, it's it's uh it's part of growing up, and 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 every goal that has ever been scored, whether I was playing on a team or whether I'm coaching a team, the the most important goal is the next one that's scored. So don't you dare for a second think, don't you dare think that I'm like not as into it or something, or, or this doesn't mean as much to me. It's like, I don't care what team I'm coaching or where I'm at in the world. The most, the next goal is the, is the one that's going to matter the most to me. I just might have a little bit calmer of a way of showing it these days after, after everything I've been through in my coaching career. <laughs> I remember, I remember, uh, <laughs> I remember covering a Piojo back in Houston when they were doing the, the, the Interliga. It, and it was during yeah. the time where he got into that, into that, that accident. And he like, he had to wear like that little thing over his nose. Like, and, like, uh, uh, Jack Nicholson in, uh, in Chinatown? Uh, yeah, something similar to that. And, uh, he was, uh, he stood out the entire Interliga, you know, the practices and stuff like that. He was just, you could tell he didn't want to be there. So it was, it was, he was, a uh, he was a fun character, you know, because obviously, you know, back, especially then, you know, he was still young, he was a much younger coach and he had, you know, a temper, you know, and obviously, you know, breaking his nose and whatever and having to wear that thing just made him a little bit more, you know, just funnier. Was trying to say he wants to go back to America? Ron Rolovis, was he speaking like this because he had a thing cover up his nose the whole time? What? <laughs> Exactly. Any, any, any. No, say so when he was speaking, did it, did it sound like this because his nose was covered up? No, no, no. Yeah. But uh, he, he was just—you know—you could tell he was just mad. You know. Yeah. Well, that—that uh, that is uh, Ronnie DeLuna, ladies and gentlemen. Ronnie DeLuna joins us. Ron, one more moment, please. See, you should come in late every time because we do that every time because you're the El Aguila que llega. So, <laughs> so there you go. And of course, I also play it because it's the Parchis one, and I know it. I know it. I know it. Chaps <laughs> ass every time I play it. So, just for a little bit. John chipping away at my childhood. That's right. Another, 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 another jab into your the with with the dagger first, into your inner first, child. First, he tells me that Parchis wasn't really Mexican. Spanish. <laughs> Yeah, they were they were Spaniards. I was a lot of blonde Mexicans, but I, uh, and now and now they they made a America theme song. I just yeah. 
Yeah, and John John also had to break my heart when he told me that that lady Chiquitibum was not Mexican. <laughs> She's what? She wasn't? <laughs> no. No, no. Whoa, no, man. she wasn't. Wait, no, she's, wait. A, she, she's Spaniard. That's right. Oh, man. She was from Venezuela. Most Mexican soccer is Spaniard if you start thinking about it. <laughs> Nemesio Diaz, uh, No Camp. Uh, <laughs> are those owners? Um, yeah. It's been a lie, dude. <laughs> I did have a question for Nate, though, seeing as that uh, he's also a San Diegan. Uh, regarding San Diego, San Diego, San Diego. Sorry. Why do you gotta be saying all Mexican, man? No, I'm just saying. I was gonna ask him as far as that they're thinking about, you know, tearing down the Qualcomm and building up a new soccer-specific stadium or or something, or to bring MLS. Does that threaten, or is there is there a place for MLS in San Diego? Oh, there's definitely a place. For MLS in San Diego, I was just at the uh, – I, I call them uh, uh, pep rallies. They're uh, MLS Commissioner Don Garber uh, when he, he goes from city to city saying, how bad do you want me? How bad How bad do you want me? Show up and show me your money and, and show me how bad you want me. And uh, he did one of those events. Uh, he and his staff actually – uh, came to San Diego, and for anybody following this, uh, this is one of the main things being talked about in in the soccer community, not only here in San Diego. This is funny with the, the, the Sin Fronteras mindset of Cholos, where one of the main supporters, and this might surprise some people, of an MLS team coming to San Diego, everybody, and I mean everybody from fans to, to staff members to everybody in the media department that I work with, to even people who, who are in touch with, with the Hunk family and, and in touch with the ownership group uh, at, at Cholos. Some of the main supporters of an MLS team coming to San Diego are the people at Club Tijuana, our, our, our fans and representatives of Cholos saying, like, could you imagine how beautiful that would be? Like, could you imagine a... A uh, built-in geographical rivalry between these two teams. Can you imagine the the two teams competing for for hotshot young talent in in the area, the likes of of the the Joe Coronas and Paul Ariolas of of the future, and 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 that type of thing. Could you imagine the just the cultural connection? Could you imagine the the potential cultural statements that could be made in in the in in the eyes of what we're being faced with here in this country? In, in 2017, especially right here on this border. So so it's really funny that actually the people at Cholos are super supportive of MLS coming to San Diego. As far as the stadium goes, as far as uh, you know, Qualcomm being torn down, uh, these guys from FS Investors, uh, that is the investment group uh, that is putting together this, this $200 million expansion bid uh, to get into Major League Soccer. And I don't want to get too deep into that because I know I know we only got a little bit of time. Uh, I don't want to get too much into the uh, the finances of Major League Soccer and how they they may relate in some people's eyes to uh, uh, pyramid schemes and uh, multi level marketing, but uh, it is a rather <laughs> it is a rather uh, Herbalife, Onilife, uh, Amway. Yeah, I'm, I'm I can sorry, go on a, a list of many, many of the main major league Advocare. Many of the main uh, major league soccer sponsors are actually in and of themselves uh, multi-level marketing uh, agencies. But um, again, that for for another show entirely. Uh, as far as the takedown of Qualcomm, um, 
the stadium plan that these guys from FS Investors laid out is, I, I got to say, I've reviewed the thing up and down, sideways, left and right. It is fantastic. And it's got something for everybody. It really, one of the main tie-ins is San Diego State football uh, and creating a, a facility that could be that the Aztecs football team, which is an integral part of the sporting community uh, here in San Diego, could be a part of. There's there's something in there even for forget non-soccer fans. There's something in there for non-sports fans. And there's this incredible renovation of of the San Diego River Park, which is just this long forgotten concept and and this forgotten idea and there's there's this whole renovation of the river park there's all this uh these housing housing and 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 commerce that would go in uh to this whole thing so i would say if i'm gonna just kind of lay one lay it down here on on this cantina mayakis podcast as far as the the 12 cities that are competing for a potential four expansion franchise spots over over the next uh, few years here, uh, spots that are supposed to be announced by the end of this year. I would definitely put San Diego in uh, in the top four. There are also some interesting uh, things going on with the North American Soccer League and with the United Soccer League and all these uh, these leagues in American soccer uh, trying to come into San Diego in the meantime because a team wouldn't actually take the field in San Diego in Major League Soccer until the year 2020 at the earliest. So what's going to stop uh, an NASL team from kind of sneaking in the back door in 2018 and saying, well, in the meantime, while all y'all are waiting, we're here and we're playing. Come see us play. Well, it is it is America's finest city. So It is indeed. Thank you. I did have another question too. Um, as far as you said that Cholos is, seems to be totally on board with with uh, with adding a team in San Diego. Now, currently they are looking in San Diego to for for to build up their own cantera. Does is that is that part of the identity that they're striving for? Like as far as uh, producing players for p- perhaps both countries. You gotta expand on that a little bit. As far as you mean, a, you mean a potential MLS team here no, in no, San Diego? Yeah, no, no putting... I, I guess I'm just saying, like the way I guess I figure is, if there's a team in San Diego, then they're, obviously they're, there's they're going to be looking in San Diego to to fill up roster spots in, in, in their in their youth youth academies. I, I guess I'm um, along those lines. I was thinking about Cholos, and there's American players on the team. Is that part of their? Is that part of the philosophy that, you know, like maybe a, a sense of pride or a point of pride where the team is like, you know, we're going to be producing players for for either for either country? Oh, that I like- think that's a huge sense of pride for, for Cholos. And, and I think it's it's actually, again, I, I keep bringing the names Joe Corona and, and Paul Ariola up, and I've, I've got great, great working relationships with, with both those guys and, and Cesar Hernandez uh, as well and, and our – our boy Johnny Rico, who who worked for Cholos uh, for a while and still does all sorts of stuff uh, covering the team. Check out all of the interviews that we've done uh, over over the last few years, but especially even just in the last few weeks. Uh, yours truly uh, and Cesar Hernandez for Soccer Nation stuff with uh, Joe Corona and Paul Ariola. No, I mean fans in in TJ takes. I'm talking fans who are are Tijuana locals take so much pride in Paul Ariola 
and and Joe Corona as as players who are are their own. And then there's people in San Diego who say they're ours as well. And it kind of comes to this beautiful conclusion of like, oh, well, I guess we're just one big metropolitan area that just happens to have this big silly monstrosity of a border uh, in between us. But we are one and the same as far as this community. We are sin fronteras. And so I, I think as far as an MLS team having that same mindset, I don't know if based on Major League Soccer uh, rules, shall we say, uh, and, and kind of the way franchises, I, I, I shiver at calling them clubs based on a number of the ways that the league is run, the way that these league franchises have to go about things. I don't know if there's as much freedom to do it the way uh, that, that Cholos have done. But with that being said, uh, there's there's one MLS team uh, in in FC Dallas, who has just flipped the script on this whole idea and have basically cultivated this incredible homegrown culture where it's all these players from the the state of Texas and and from the Dallas area and and even from the north of Mexico who are starting to look at FC Dallas as this route to becoming a professional and and going through the academy ranks uh, at, at FC Dallas. So it can be done. In, in MLS as far as the, the academy system, as far as the homegrown culture goes. But, uh, I, I think it's more getting maybe a little bit even more to your point. I think it could be more on a marketing level, uh, than anything. I look at, I, if I had to wager money right now on where Chicharito is going to be going within the next year, I'm saying he's going to LAFC and, and it's, a uh, as much a marketing decision with with trying to garner Mexican fans uh, here here in this millennial technological age of of just celebrity obsessed culture that we live in, and Chicharito is is as celebrity as it gets when it comes to Mexican soccer, and what that would be the coup, the absolute coup that that would be for LAFC to get Chicharito on on a marketing level is just, I mean, it's it's infinite what you know, that could mean and so so a san diego team may be doing something similar in that regard with with one or two big names i i honestly would see it far more likely going that direction than maybe a a heavily mexican influenced academy you know it's one of the things that we've talked about uh on this show is because of the of the 10-8 rule there's going to be some mexican players that just aren't necessarily going to get the chance to play in Liga MX for whatever reason, and maybe they're marginal players, but they could definitely fill some roster spots in MLS, especially with four yeah. uh, expansion teams coming on. That's you're putting a lot of pressure on NCAA soccer to come up with four more teams. <laughs> and I'm being I'm, I'm being dead serious. So, well, I think it's I think it's interesting what Chelsea is doing. Obviously, it looks like Santos is following suit in a lot of ways. Where um, I know today uh, someone posted a uh, story about a 20 year old defender from FC Dallas actually who recently signed, who just signed with uh, Santos. Um, very much an American player. I forget his I forget his name um, right now, but it's I think it's a smart move. I mean, you know, you you're, you're gonna you you can't just look in your own just your city you know you, you have to be able to expand outwards and and if you're for teams in the north it only makes sense to look look, look across the border because i'm sure there's there's a lot of guys out there that, that could play so how much of a of, of, of san diego's strategy is a what would it be to cultivate as much of the local talent as possible is that something that uh, 
that they've actually discussed doing, or is it just uh, well, right now? It's. I think it's pure conjecture at this point. I think it's pure hypothesis without really much of a scientific experiment in play. I mean, there there is no team right now. There's not even there's not even the the guarantee of a team ever being here uh, as of right now. So I feel like this is such a an interesting conversation. And I'm you know on 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 podcasts with with my partner at Soccer Nation with the editor in chief of Soccer Nation DK Aniwo and and we're we're talking about this stuff all the time and and sometimes we just we'll, we'll kind of stop mid sentence and and just look at each other going wait there, there's not even you know why are we breaking this stuff down for something that doesn't even exist yet let's give it let's give it a little bit of time here let's see what happens and there is this kind of lull right now in in the San Diego MLS efforts and and the aspirations to get one of these expansion bids and and it's this long running thing where I feel like Don Garber with the way this whole process goes he's like you, you remember when uh in 2010 in the NBA when uh, LeBron James did the uh the the decision yeah when he uh yes who's LeBron James that's what this that's what this MLS thing is like it's just it's just an ongoing LeBron's decision and and it's it's Garber going from city to city you know and maybe I'll pick you and maybe I'll pick you maybe I'll pick you and and so here here's these thousands of soccer fans in San Diego pining for for top flight soccer many of whom go to Cholos for every Friday night home game in in Liga MX thousands of whom support lower league clubs that already exist here in San Diego the the <laughs> likes of uh, of the North County Battalion last year Albion Pros in the the NPSL the 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 SoCal Surf and the San Diego Zest now here in the the PDL I mean there's there's hang on, soccer. Hang, on, there's... hang on hang on hang on I have some bad news what <laughs> what an injury your your boy just went down went down uh, Fierro. Fierro yep he'll be up dude yeah no you know, you know, I'm, I'm listening to Nate, and uh, I'm saying something that should give uh, San Diego, uh, you know, I forgot the word, dude. <laughs> but but I'm saying uh, priority. I think priority as far as uh, getting a franchise, it's it's that uh, Liga MX is has been pushing to have a tournament with MLS. So they're gonna start this year like a cup format. But this is something they tried in the past. I forgot the name. Was it? Super it was Superliga. It was the Superliga, and and I remember the Superliga, and I remember being, uh, you know, there somewhat no weird. There were well, no was... going into the into the Superliga. Remember the very first season. Uh, so I, I just I remember Alexi Lala's uh, standing on a podium and and saying, <laughs> "Finally, we have we have a tournament where." MLS teams can go toe to toe with Mexican teams, and I'm thinking to myself, Concacaf Champions League, Concacaf, well, but yeah, existed. But, but, we've, we've, uh, Alexi, we've, we've had this tournament, and it was such a cheap cash grab, and no one went to these games. They played them all at the StubHub Center, the the Home Depot Center at the time. I remember they played a few other ones around the country, but it was but, just such a joke. It was so I mean, poorly run, and it's like going to be much three different seasons for Liga MX. Well. Yeah, but the the thing is though is, is, is that they put a big uh, they put a a big uh, a big purse on it for the winners, so they, that made it very did, interesting for the players. And they could do and and that's what they're talking. So that's what somebody somebody brought this up the other day. 
down here. It was actually on aboard the USS Midway during this uh, this big MLS to SD press conference with Don Garber and the group from FS Investors. And somebody was talking about, man, could you imagine a uh, a, a, a San Diego uh, a, a a border? It's the Border Cup, and actually a uh, thing where it's it's solos. It's, it's not, not even, no, it's not just the two teams. You, you get, you know, you even bring in a couple of the lower division teams and, and you have it in as a, a, a four or six team tournament here in San Diego. I mean, that type does, of, just a, does San Diego State uh, have a men's team? Uh, I don't know if the, uh, the college program, they do have a men's team. I don't know if the college program could be a part of that, uh, uh, tournament for legality reasons, uh, with a, a big cash prize at the end of it. But no, I mean, oh, these well. are just all, these are just all theoreticals that people are throwing out. That's a good and, idea. And That's a really all, good idea. They're all very interesting. No, I, I love the idea. It's, it's, it's as old school as it gets. The idea of the, of the tournament and, and doing tournament with straight cash prize for the winner. It's extremely primitive, but you know what? Sometimes That's, primitive. Is absolutely that's what, glorious. That's exactly what we're going to do later on this show. We're going to we're going to get into it, and the, the winner at the end gets the gets the big prize. Hey, but I think the fact that they're trying it again, I mean, they, they see some potential there. Well, Joel is doing that, but right now it's. I think they've, they've, it's been, they've been doing that since the they've been doing that since the sixties, Joel. Wait, yeah. not not cross, not like no, yeah. I know yeah. they would do no, that. No, this is something that that point is something I try to bring up to people so often they in the 1960s. In the 1960s and 70s, before the original North American Soccer League was founded, what would happen is clubs from all around the world in their off seasons would come to the U.S. for like two or three months, and they would play these bizarre little kind of mini leagues and they would they would name their team something slightly different you know if if club america would come to one of these they would be the you know the the mexico city eagles or something like that and they would play for for two or two and a half months and they would do these tournaments they would actually these look these things up i'm i'm glad that that other distinguished panelists are are bringing these up because no it is in fact uh you know in uh there's one. There's a. There's a book. Uh, really, uh, to me, I, I think it's the best book in. in uh, best book about Mexican football. It's uh, written by a, a, a Spaniard, uh, Juan C. de Mulet. It's called uh, El Libro de Oro del Fútbol Mexicano, and and it goes into detail about just the entire history of the league, and it, and it was published in the in the 60s. But in in the book, it had photos photographs. Of uh, of uh, these tournaments between U.S. teams, you know, U.S. Uh, teams and uh, and Mexican teams, and it was called the JFK Cup. And from the pictures, I mean, the, the stadiums were packed. So I mean, this is something that's been going back, you know, like I said, you know, for years. Uh, and and going back to what Nate was saying, like for example, you know, when Atlas, when Atlas was uh, the last time they were uh, champions. They actually had a tour in the U.S. and one of the teams that they played was uh, Manchester United. So you can imagine how long ago that was. <laughs> but if the previous version of of Superliga, you know, was wasn't really well received or wasn't really attended well, no, no, they were though. Superliga? I'm no, no, about oh, Superliga. not Superliga. I'm, I'm talking about now. The one, I'm the just one saying, the... like, what's the difference now with whatever tournament? How do they? 
what's different now that that's going to suddenly bring in people to um, to fill the seats? Well, I, I personally believe they need to expand it. It's right now they just have it at four and four. They need to make it league wide for both leagues, straight up single elimination, just wherever the chips fall, and just play it. Hey, we could we could create. I'm sure we could create among this panel. We could create the most badass tournament possible. But what's going to probably end up happening, as far as this this big cash prize tournament that people are bringing up, as much as we'd love to have, you know, our 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 Copa Frontera right here in in Tijuana and San Diego, what is far more likely is something of a you know, four and four, a quick little two week tournament, uh, between the team, something, something of, of, of that sort. Yeah, One but thing I also, that just makes it a preseason tournament though. I mean, that, that I mean, know, what's that's, the point? that's why it could be, it could be so much more. And I feel like it's going to end up maybe being something similar to the, the old, uh, Super League. But, but, but they, they got to get past that. I mean, seriously, they, if, if they're going to do they that, do, they, they do. They do. And do I'll like tell that. you what. I'll, I'll tell you, John, though, one of the things is, is television. The way television ties into this is, is huge. And I, I forgot to make one other point about this San Diego MLS expansion bid. And it was that day out on the, uh, the USS Midway with, with Don Garber, with Mayor Kevin Faulkner, the people from FS Investors had a great interview with Landon Donovan, who is now a, a San Diego resident. Landon Donovan is out here at the, at the event and, after the guys from FS Investors spoke, we said, hey, we have one other guy who just joined the investment team, and he is he's investing his money into this San Diego potential MLS expansion bid. He's putting his money on the table. His name is Juan Carlos Rodriguez. He is the president of Univision Deportes. And everyone's kind of looking around, and especially the people that were on the boat from from Cholos, people who were who, who had come up from Tijuana that day to be a part of this event, and we're all kind of looking at each other, going, "Wait, where the hell did this guy come from?" You know, oh wow, these people are serious. They did their homework. They realized what his presence could mean, and they got Juan Carlos Rodriguez involved. And he had this crazy backstory how he's he's known Mike Stone, the the chief investor of uh, of FS Investors, how he's known Mike Stone for a few years, and he he doesn't really have much of a connection to San Diego. He lives in Miami, but he's saying, "Hey, I like San Diego, and I like Major League Soccer, and." I love I love this city. I love the border. I love Mexico. I think there could be a lot going on here. I'm going to put my money on the table. That man, Juan Carlos Rodriguez, being a part of this bid is one of my main, I don't want to say wild cards, but I mean, it's just what makes it all the more realistic, uh, as, as, as Joel was talking about. I, I think that actually is one of the main things that gives San Diego the priority uh, that we speak of. That was just the, the cherry on top of everything. The president of Univision Deportes being a part of this bid. I mean, that's, that's some big stuff. Hey, Nate, how I keep reading about there's a push from the lower divisions, you know, that are trying to basically topple the, uh, the protectionism that the MLS has in the first division as to like, you know, getting promotion and, and relegation because if that happens, you know, the, the the little Ponzi scheme that, you know, MLS has, you know, the protectionism where, you know, you pay in, you know, 200 or whatever the, the fee is. What, what is it, $150 million? Uh, It's coming up on $200 million. Something like that. I mean, when that happens, you know, you're not going to be able to get that type of dough because, you know, investors want their sure thing. You know, obviously, it's the franchise model, but 
I mean, it's gonna it's, it's gonna happen sooner. You know, it, it's it has to happen. I don't, I don't think it will happen, Ron. It, it you, you know, you know, they criticize that Mexico. You know, they have the caballeros, the pact of the caballeros. They have the, the gentleman's pact. In a way, the MLS has it too, and 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 they have it legally. You know, they have a legal, you know, protection. I mean, they protect their interest. And I I, I think that before you know, there's like you know, they keep talking about expansion, ex- expansion, expansion. But I keep reading articles about how some of the lower divisions are, are starting to get fed, you know fed up with with the way the system is, the pyramids in the in the U.S. soccer system is. Well, the the <laughs> the the peasants are always going to get fed up, and and that's what kills me with this because that's what it comes back to is that the uh, the ruling class uh, in this case has uh, they're they're set in their ways, and and there isn't a whole. I, I don't want to. I don't. I want to sound like a total defeatist here, but there's there's not a whole lot that can be done to change that right now because the system has has been set in place and and the the soccer purist in me, someone who grew up, I mean my my two cultures of of soccer upbringing, I was I was raised by by Mexicans and and English expats, and so you know my 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 English footballing upbringing is something where you know I. I thought I thought I understood promotion so you, and relegation so by the time I've was... seen every and most unbelievably possible creative way to lose matches then as 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 having to watch England <laughs> and Mexico and then you throw in and then you throw in being a US fan uh, in there in there as well I've got the I've got the ultimate trifecta there no um it is uh it is something that you know is is near and dear to my heart I I love the idea of promotion and relegation I I I love everything about it I I I I plan to to go to England and 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 cover lower division clubs I have all these different creative ideas of of things I want to do uh in in the near and distant futures in regards to this and and it's something that breaks my heart that it can't happen with the current system of American soccer and with the people that are in power right now, this is where I say I hate to sound like a defeatist, but with the people that are in power right now, I I, I got to agree with Jolie where it's it's not gonna change. Yeah, it's maybe, not maybe. gonna change with Don Garber in power. I, honestly, I I would I would have thought the same thing like twenty years ago if someone were to say, you know, the Mexican, you know, that the Mexican, you know, national team wouldn't have Televisa or TV Azteca. They're, you know, they're on the brink of losing the na- the national team. So I mean, yeah, but, do but, but Ron, Ron, a lot yeah. of a lot of these teams don't have don't have the money to compete. And uh, hope, hope, I'm hoping Nate can expand on this. I think the good example is uh, the New York Cosmos. So a few years back, I think MLS was going to give them a chance to get into the into the league, and they turned it down. And they were trying to do the thing with uh, in uh, NASL and think they're bankrupt right now well the cosmos cosmos are somehow some way still alive after uh fold i just penned something for soccer nation on this uh, very topic actually earlier today and and the cosmos yeah they're after after crumbling after winning the championship in the fall of 2016 then crumbling then folding then coming back to life they're uh, they're ready to go for uh for the 2017 season but but no the 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 points that that Julie brings up there are, are, are very important. And it's this notion of 
something that's understood. And and again, I deal so much with Mexican soccer in in my professional life and and even just in my upbringing. And the system of promotion and relegation in Mexican soccer for me, as someone who is such a a purist of the game and and fully believes in in promotion and relegation and and equal opportunity from club to club, the system of of promotion and relegation in Mexico is an absolute sham and and is in so many ways <laughs> broken and should be fixed and is and is in so many ways designed specifically designed to protect the richest of the rich from ever having to go through a team falling to the second division. I mean, you look in England right now, and you look at the second division in England, and you have Newcastle down in the second division of of England right now. That's one of the biggest teams in all of England with a 55,000-seat stadium. And it's like, could you imagine uh, a a team like Chivas, a team like Tigres or Monterrey getting relegated to the second division? It's similar to the, the, the situation here in Major League Soccer. Where, no, the owners are but unified the, but, but, but to make sure that that won't happen. But the promotion the promotion relegation, the way that the, the, the aggregate is set up, it's not there. It's Technically, it's not, it doesn't, it, uh, it doesn't uh, give the big teams an advantage. It actually gives the smaller teams, the ones that, have, that don't get, that don't make as much money in, in, in TV revenues, it gives them a chance uh, to, to stay in the top flight. No, but but it's three years, so it does give you a chance to mess up a couple of times, you know. But, but I mean, really, I mean but that doesn't that doesn't. I mean, you know that you know that Chivas is going to be in the top flight. You know that Cruz Azul is going to be in the top flight. Well, but so, I would have thought the same thing because I mean, isn't this modeled after what Argentina did, and then River Plate went down, and they, and you can't get any richer in Argentina than River Plate. Well, <laughs> but, but they've had they've had financial problems, you know. Uh, yeah, but, oh, but, but, but River Plate having financial problems still puts them a cut above the rest, regardless. No, you know they're, what? They're all hurting, dude. They're all hurting. Well, but I said, but when it happened, I mean, so it, just because it is, and, and I do agree that it's designed to keep the uh, the more keep, popular team. Just keep in keep, keep in mind, in the nineties, Tigres Tigres went down twice, as Pachuca did as well. Yeah, but Pachuca so, I mean, just came into the first division. Uh, I mean, just within the early nineties. I mean, they they they, no, they were no, in the no, second they, division they, for they decades. Were in the, they were there in the, also in the in the late sixties, early seventies. But what I'm saying is that the, the 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 relegation system, promotion system that's in Mexico. Although people tell you, oh, it's 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 there to it's it's there to uh, to help out the big teams. That's not true. It's there to 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 facilitate the smaller teams to give them a chance to adapt. To, to the top flight, to the cost of being in the top flight. Right. Well, uh, it does, it does the, help you in the fact the, the that owner, if you had one bad season, you're not going straight down. No, that's yeah. the most important, that's the most the important owner, point of all right there is that a, a team, again, I, I go back to the, the, the world capital of, of the tiered system and promotion relegation in England. And you look at teams again, like Aston Villa and Newcastle currently in the second division. Those are two of historically two of the bigger teams in, in all of England. All it took was one bad season and, and you're down and out. Yeah, okay, and, okay. and I think of teams, I think of teams in the Ascenso that, that could have team a, a team like Sinaloa that had the season that they had last year after going down the way the way that they did and that Dorados could have just gotten right back up that Dorados could have literally just gotten right back up to the top flight how incredible I have a that system very easy explanation for y'all so do you think the BBC or Sky or anyone likes the fact that Aston Villa and Newcastle are in the second division no but they don't own a team 
in Liga MX, right? <laughs> who do you think? Who do you think Televisa would rather have in the in the top flight, the Lobos Buap or or Cruz Azul? Yeah, and but and you know to add to add to that, John, it's it's very expensive to maintain a highly competitive team, and it's, it's something that usually gets ignored a lot because I rarely see it. But Liga MX teams go bankrupt all the time. Yeah, the, the, uh, the, the we see Puebla uh, changing owners, uh, Atlas changed owners, Chivas changed owners. Um, you know, you have all these teams constantly going broke or, or being purchased. Leon, which was, but they were purchased for like five million. You know, the, the executive for Atl- uh, for Atlante Garcia, he said, uh, I remember in the press conference, he once said that, uh, you know, when a team goes down from the first division to, into the second division in Mexico, they can lose up to eighty five percent of their revenues. Yeah, I, see, I used to be against the, the Mexico's, uh, you know, their whole porcentaje, but... Now, when did the porcentage, uh, now, was it now, reset now the porcentage, or, was, or is it, uh, has it been in place? Because I'll be yeah. honest, when I was a kid, I don't, I don't remember at all. I mean, I had no idea it what ca- it was. It came up at like in 92 or 93, around that, around there, the the the, the aggregate system. Uh, again, it's, it's their... Well, yeah, running to, to your point, the the, the teams that, uh, that 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 come up, or like I said, the smaller teams that are struggling, like if they've been there for you know, the more they win, the better off you know they, they climb up to the porcentage just because their their delta is a lot more volatile. It moves a lot more, and obviously when they lose, like if the Caxa starts losing, they're going to drop like a stone. So I, I do understand that, but I mean, the reality is it is that if, if you have Cruz Azul had a bad season four years ago because they were like four in the porcentage. It, it didn't affect them at all. They just happened to have a bad season. And they would have, if I remember right, they would have been relegated, Cruz Azul. Yeah, and, and it allows them time to rebuild. They're just By the next season, they have a completely re- different squad. It allows, it allows the team, not only does it allow them time to rebuild, there, there's that's one of the most important points of all is that, you know, you, you mess up and you have a bad six months, you still have two and a half years to to right your wrongs with a budget that exceeds most other teams for any remember the season Chivas had uh, about a year and a half ago where people say oh Chivas could be a relegation candidate and I, I scoffed at the whole oh, thing I said no they won't they'll 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 I fix it up they'll be for that too by the way <laughs> of course we were we were all we were all praying for it. you know we were all praying for it except for one guy on this panel but uh no in in regards to to the television aspect of all this this is one of the most important points of all in here and you talk about a team if they were to drop to the ascenso losing upwards of 85% of their revenue i mean that's that's catastrophic that's why don garber uh, and Major League Soccer will never go to that structure because see that number and, and what that could mean for Major League Soccer. Don Garber said of, uh, of, of promotion relegation about a year and a half ago, he said, Oh yeah, you, you really think I'm going to have an owner, you know, buy in for 150 million. And then with the, the possibility that a year later he could be play, his team could be playing games uh, in front of 4,000 people in Chattanooga. And that, that really pissed off the people in Chattanooga who actually routinely pack in about 16,000 people for, for their fourth division team and, and what that represents as far as grassroots soccer in America. But tying it back to, to England. In England, when a team goes down, there is one of the most amazing terms in, in modern football finance is in they have England. A parachute and financing. 
the parachute payments. And yeah. what the parachute payments do is they allow for a team like uh, a Newcastle, a Villa, a big team that has a crap season. They go down a Queens Park Rangers. So many teams that Burnley, the way Burnley has come back in to the Premier League, Watford over the last few years, Leicester City, even where teams because of how much Premier League television revenue is, which is it just insane, billions upon billions of euros, pounds, dollars, any currency you want to name, and teams get a cut of that that's, that's every say, year. That's, that's why they say that the championship, the, the the English championship title is the most prestigious title in all of football because once you get into the, you know, you win the championship, obviously you get promoted to the premiership. And you, 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 I mean, that's where you get the big bucks, you know. So, if a system like that, and this is something where you know the the hopeful the hopeful heart inside of me says that someday this will happen, but then the somewhat more realistic side of me says, no, this will never happen. But could you imagine Do, a system uh, like that? Could you imagine parachute payments in Mexican soccer and and a system of promotion well, relegation that well, would allow a team? to Go down think, to the Ascenso and then fight their way right back up. I don't think you require. I don't think it, 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 that you really require parachute payments. I think what you. Re, I think what Mexico needs, and for the longest times, and this is one of the things that used to, you know, just, you know, just really piss me off. And and I have issues with the Mexican sports press. I really do. I I I, I just you know that's just a, for a different. Uh, the podcast, but one of the things that they would that they would always refer to the to the lower divisions as, you know, they they refer to el infierno or el calvario, or you know, they would they always talk crap about the lower divisions, and I'm always always thinking to myself, what a bunch of idiots! It's like they, I'm not saying to be cheerleaders for any one team or one coach, or, but to promote, you know, the 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 game, it only benefits them as well. And yeah. that's one of the, that's one of the things that's always pissed me off about the you know, the press in Mexico is that they never knew how to market and they never knew how to treat the lower divisions with respect. Hey Ronnie, if uh, if your Jaiba would get a chance to come into the top flight, either by just like you know buying a franchise and moving it to Tampico or, or getting it through promotion, what would you prefer? I, I would rather I'd rather have them you know win it you know legit. You know, uh, uh, that's. I'd, I'd rather have them win it. You know, you know, win the promotion legit. You know, wise. Would you? Would you? Would you write them a letter asking them to put the to put the crab on the shirt again if if if, if they made it back? <laughs> they have it already. It's, it's in their Do life. They really? That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. that's fantastic. So they're, they're cangrejos. La jaiba yeah. brava. <laughs> should the should the cangrejo be in a barril? I'm not surprised that Ronnie's a <laughs> cangrejos United fan. But 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 I also have a soft spot for uh, for Politecnico because they uh, they just started another team again. After, yes, I don't they know, did. Like, after like I don't know how many years. I mean, that's my dad's alma mater. Now, do well, they you go... guys you guys talk about about the pathway back to the top flight in Mexico and and how the Mexican media oftentimes just mocks lower division soccer and how that's not something that is really ingrained in in the culture of the Mexican game embracing the second division and and the fight for promotion and the you know as as John touched on it's the 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 race for that final promotion spot in England is one of the most magical enthralling things for me in in the world of soccer because of what's on the line but in terms of a team 
fighting from the essential or, or fighting from from the old primera. Ah, when I was coming up, I I, I remember I started following Leon because of my friends from Guanajuato in in two thousand three. So there's about a, a seven or eight year run there of of Leon fighting to to get into the top flight and and all the stories that that I could tell of of how we would follow uh primera a games with with liquor store calling cards and guanajuato speaker how many times did they lose the final did they lose it like three or four they times? lost the final we, we lost count how many times they would get close <laughs> and it was finally going to be the year that that leon was going to come back in and i mean i think back to that and i'm so grateful for that that was one of the most like fascinating times for me just as a as as a fan of the game and i, I know i can be a, a bit of a of a soccer romantic you know did I, What's that? Did I hear sad, sad flute? Yes, you did. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you, Nate. By the way, <laughs> I, I, I heard I sad no flute. That's why that this happened. But apparently, Kikin Fonseca is coaching. Uh, is coaching Venados Medina. I had no idea that that was that that was happening. Well, see, so, there's another reason to to follow the Ascenso. There you go. Do you know who he replaced? Who did he replace? Oh, he was it uh, a World Chilis? Cup champion? Chelis. Oh no, it was uh, uh, Camoranesi, right? Well, you know what? Now that they threw Chelis, Chelis was in the full too. He was coaching one of the teams, but Camoranesi was was uh, also coaching Liga de Ascenso. I'll tell you what they are—they are selling this thing at a high price for Chivas to, to win this game. Some of the tackles that uh, Vanales have made have been—they've been reminding Chivas that they're that they're there. It's uh, it's been very interesting. My bad. He was he was in Tapachula. Cafetaleros. Oh, the Cafetaleros? I always liked the Petroleros de Salamanca. And when I was a kid, there was a team in Toluca called Osos Negros. That was the same thing, man. They made the final kind of like Leon like three or four times in a row and just could never, could never get past it. But I think Pern is correct. It was was Chelis who was at Venados. Oof. See, I want to know how a guy like Mauro Camaronesi, how a, a, a world-class player like – I mean, these are the, the – this is where, uh, you know, Jolie knows our, our, our good friend John Arnold. This is where John Arnold has all sorts of uh, amazing deep research of, of how these weird connections happen in the first place. Like, who the hell did Camaronesi know? Who did he meet with where – his 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 coaching pathway was going to go the way that it did, and I mean, how how does this stuff happen? Who who are these Liga Ascenso agents Camorenesi, and connectors? Camorenesi was tied to Cruz Azul because uh, he obviously played there. So I mean, he, he has he played for Cruz Azul. Yeah, yeah. That's that's where he became known because in Argentina, um, he was not able to break into first division, so he came into Mexico and and he was just dominating at Cruz Azul until. He, he went to, uh, I think it was Verona. I'm not sure which of the two. Uh, and, and, then and, then he, and then he ended up, yeah. It was, uh, and he was the one who had a couple of years ago that quit 10 minutes before the, he did. It was with Coras, right? He quit 10 minutes before the game against Chivas. He just quit. I, I, I think right there the coach was trying to tell him how to line the team up. Not the coach, the owner. Which oh, and is, it, was, it, was, least, it was your boy. that pretty much has been pulling the strings for Chivas. <laughs> yeah, I got a question for Nate changing uh, subjects. Oh, back. Cheeky's here. 
back to the English uh, broadcasting. Um, I've I have two uh, not uh, problems, but uh, issues with the whole English broadcasting of League MX that I wanted to get Ooh. your thoughts on. Ooh, all right. Uh, oh, like for, for me, and I think for many people that follow League MX, uh, prefer you know, if they speak Spanish, prefer broadcasting in Spanish for the excitement and and you know just the culture part of it. That's one, and then the, but the second, and that's not a big deal. But the second one, uh, and and I'm a I'm okay with English, you know, broadcast and everything. But the second one is who would who would actually benefit or listen? Who would be the audience listening to English broadcast of Say, for example, uh, you know, Mexican Americans that don't speak Spanish. If a Mexican, in my opinion, if a Mexican American doesn't speak Spanish. How? They're almost Americanized to where they wouldn't even like soccer. They would like NFL or NBA. Ooh. How long? How long have we been debating this, Beto? <laughs> yeah, I want to get. I want to get. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything. I'm no, I, 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 I'm not convinced. This? I'm not convinced by your by your argument. I want to hear it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I and I and I haven't. Let me give you some background. I haven't grown up in the in a border town. I grew up in Florida, where there's not too many Mexicans. So I didn't grow up around um, Mexicans, and I didn't grow up, you know, speaking Spanish. I had to go to Mexico to speak Spanish or to learn. And uh, so my uh, background isn't the same as a lot of you guys. But that's the way I see it is if people listen to Liga MX in English because they need to because they don't understand Spanish and they're Americanized, um, would they, if they're Americanized enough, they're not going to even like soccer. So what is your what is your thoughts on those? Uh, I'm, I'm going to have to go as, as far as, as strongly against that last statement as, as I possibly, possibly can. Uh, the notion that, uh, someone, uh, with, with brown skin and a Latino last name, uh, the fact that they might not have the same level of, of Spanish language prowess as someone else with brown skin and a Latino last name, that that makes that person less of a Mexican or less likely to be into soccer. Um, that's uh, just, I, I don't know how delicately to put this. Uh, that's just not the case. Uh, that's something that, that is definitely not the case. Uh, I know personally just myself and my upbringing in in the central coast of california and now living down here uh in san diego i can i can tell you about oh so many mexican friends who whose parents and and grandparents and and people in their families are spanish speakers and maybe they have a a a a medium command of of the spanish language and they grew up on american soil and they grew up going to american schools and they're as proud of their heritage and their culture and their name and their soccer as anybody and they just have a little bit better of a command of english than they do spanish and so that person is going to seek out English language coverage of, of the league that means so much to, to them and their families. So I think there's, there's thousands, if not millions of examples of, of what we laid out right there. And then as far, I I just want to finish up here real quick as far as then the notion that a, the most white skinned gringo of all in America could also not be could could not be someone who wants to learn about the Mexican game and 
is going to be challenged uh, to follow a Spanish language broadcast, as good as that would be. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm all for people learning. That's how I learned the majority of Spanish that I have in my arsenal to this day was as a little kid with bunny ear antennas watching Univision and Telemundo broadcast of, of Mexican League soccer. Uh, but someone who is an English speaker who is interested in the Mexican game, if they have an English language broadcast there for them, that is going to give them even more impetus to to follow the Mexican game. So so whether it's English speaking Latinos or just English speaking gringos in America and the average American sport fans that, that want to watch Liga MX, there's a lot of folks that want to watch Liga MX, but don't watch it because they would rather watch it in English. That's, There's that. That's too. who this market. That's who this market is. I think that's right. Oh, that's what about people that, people that, right. that want to hear, like you know, the commentaries like Andres Cantor go good, but they don't get that in English. Do you see that? Uh, that's part of the. I guess you could see the soccer uh, culture. In- Fernando, you know, I think I think eventually what we're gonna find, what we're gonna see, because wait, that, that question was for me. Well, I know, but I'm gonna give my own, my own, my own. I'm gonna time it either way, so shut up. Um, hang on, hang on, Dan. I got, this. I got this, Dan. No, le voy a discutir con usted. There. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> God right, damn Nate. it! You made me lose my train of thought. <laughs> That's why I said it. Go ahead, Nate. No, <laughs> Go I... ahead, Nate. Oh, what, what was the question again? <laughs> The question was like, uh, do you think uh, an English speaker would enjoy the game when you know, for example? Oh no, 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 Fernando. As far as as far as the style of of commentary, and and I had a great conversation. You talk about Andres Cantor. Uh, I had a a great conversation earlier today and and last night with with Andres's son uh, with with Nico Cantor, who's going to be one of the commentators uh, on on this Univision Facebook feed for. For the Classical Nacional uh, on on Saturday, and Nico's going to be alongside uh, Ramses Sandoval, who is someone who also uh, is is a bilingual broadcaster. And and look, this is something that could be debated for hours and hours and hours. This is something that is talked about among soccer commentators forever and ever and ever and and that is the different styles from culture to culture and that it sometimes this is and this is i want to make abundantly clear that this is just my personal opinion here i'm not speaking for anybody else this is purely nate's opinion and nothing else i sometimes think that it can be forced to try it it can sound forced it can sound contrived to to take a quote unquote Latin American style and translate it to the English language or to take a, a, a British broadcasting style and try to translate <laughs> it to uh, a, a major league soccer match that we have to find. And this is something that is such a blessing as an American, as someone who is, who is an American sports broadcaster and an American soccer enthusiast. And I always get so fed up when people say, we need, a, we need to determine what it means to be an American soccer mind, an American soccer fan, an American soccer broadcaster. And I'm sitting back going, why? We're the melting pot of the world. I mean, we're, we're the ultimate cultural rainbow of the world. I mean, we, we have, we have, immigrant influence from every culture in this world present in this country right now why do we need to boil it down to one thing and so 
my soccer broadcasting style just for myself is is sort of this weird concoction of of my upbringing and which was this strange mix of mexican english Irish, Scottish, and Basque, and it all rolls into one when I'm on the microphone, and and I am I am who I am on the microphone, and 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 Ramsa Sandoval and Nico Contour, they're their own individuals on the microphone. My colleague down here with Cholos, Jordan Caruth, and and Ivan Orozco, we're we're all individuals, and if if every broadcaster from every culture sounded the same, uh, it, it would be terrible. It, it would be it would be lame. So, it would be mundane. I, I do agree that I do agree that some of it had, had, does sound contrived. I absolutely agree, and I think that's what's turned off a lot of people. But I do think, um, you know, to your point, as far as everyone being different, I do I do agree that. But I do think that, by and large, and speaking very generally, that there needs to be a, a style that needs to be a little if bit I, more palatable. No, now, now, personally, I, uh, I think it's it's still you know a work in progress where 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 the American broadcaster you know needs to find that that happy well, middle ground or, or or their own style to make it fit because. Uh, but be I honest. do think though, hey, hey, Nate, I gotta be honest. Also, oh, I haven't on, heard you. I haven't hold heard on. you uh, broadcasting, so I we should put that into context. Like I, I haven't seen you seen your style. Cheekies so. have a clip. Yeah, I got a clip of him. Yeah, Cheekies, you have a clip, right? Fire. Oh no! Oh no! Which clip? <laughs> I'm gonna put you on the spot, dude. Uh-oh. Spot or not, I'll be Mr. Thano. Pokes through. It's now Cora on side. Victor puts it down and save, and it's Joe Corona. <laughs> oh wow, that's pretty nice. The San Diego man strikes again. Corona, the man who scored. The first top flight goal for Los Chalos Quintless of Club Tijuana. He scores the sixth of the night here on Friday, January 13th, 2017, on the night of history here in Baja, California. The 200th game here in Estadio Caliente. What a moment for Joe Corona. I hope, I hope that's hey, right. Hey, Nate, did you ever watch the movie uh, Necessary Roughness? Uh, I have seen that movie, yes. Remember uh, Rob Schneider? I do, I do, I do indeed. That's what you remind me of right there. Thank you. Oh, no, I'm kidding, thank I'm kidding. I'm thank kidding. you for that. Yeah, I thought, I thought that was, <laughs> That's a compliment. That's a compliment. I, I, I agree. I, I mean, I'm not, I don't have a problem with, with English broadcasts, and I thought, you know, you did a good job for in that example there as well. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you very much. Yeah. And I don't really necessarily agree with uh, with what uh, Fernando's saying. I mean, I agree with you. Um, my How more... often do you agree with Fernando? <laughs> <laughs> not, sometimes I do. You know what? Me and Fernando on the same side, but in this case, he you know, his own I, my second point, my second point <laughs> is what I wanted to go back to, and I, and I heard what you stated, but I think um, uh, Daniel and you live in San Diego, and a lot of you guys live in you know who I lives in L.A. I grew, I live in Texas, and I grew up in Florida, so my perspective is not first generation Mexican Americans, but maybe second generation who who don't have cousins and and parents who speak Spanish. Or that, you know, have, maybe they live in Tennessee or in Montana or someplace like that. And, you know, they're not around Mexicans. They're not around people who like Mexican soccer or even soccer. They're around people who like basketball or LeBron James and things like that. And so that's, that's what I see happening as, you know, generations pass. 
but, 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 but you, you say people that are into American sports and into LeBron James. I mean, Carlos Vela is more into the NBA than he is into playing for Mexico. I mean, Chicharito Hernandez is more into J.J. Watt and the Houston Texans than he is into any other soccer player in the world. I mean, it's they're yes. they're, they're tied in. They're one and the same. It, it's it's multiculturalism. I mean, it, it's yes. it's an example of multiculturalism that maybe doesn't yes. translate to to Montana or Wyoming, well, but it, it certainly the big- does. Advantage that we have, chickies that, that 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 a lot of, frankly, a lot of folks in this country don't have is that we're bilingual and we understand Spanish and understand English. So we've and you know a lot of us have grown up where we only heard it in Spanish. Yeah, and, that's, uh, that's the core group that that is going to be attracted to this. So I'm talking about the, the people. But, but, that, but that's but that's not entirely true. I mean, you you can't. Yeah, just that's why I disagree. Also, I agree. Yeah. John, go on. There's Sorry. there's so much. The, 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 you know, this is a country that has, if I'm not mistaken, 300 and something, 30 million people, right? And not all of them are bilingual. You know, a lot of them, I'm going to guess the, the vast majority of them, probably 90% of them speak one language, English. That's who this is for. Chiquis, don't worry about it. The Pax, Roma, the Pax Mexicana Televisión is coming to an end. There's going to be a shakedown. There's going to be a shakedown of, 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 of TV wars in Mexico that's ultimately going to affect the TV, well, that's how you see it here in the but, United but States. Ron, that, that's one of the put things your, I wanted to talk to you about. Put your tinfoil hat on, man. People are talking about uh, the Univision streaming, and a lot of people forget that Televisa has a stake in Univision. Well, they're, they're actually, in fact, they actually got approved like two, three weeks ago uh, how Televisa, because before there was actually a law that uh, – Foreign television could not be a majority owner in in in, uh, in in television here in the United States. Well, that no longer applies. So the Televisa is actually trying to become the majority shareholder, if not they already are, in uh, for for Univision. <laughs> but having said that, I, I mean, you know, after 2018, 2018, dude, it, it, it's going to go down. There's going to be some. There's going to be some struggles. There's going to be some fights. In, 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 in the Mexican Federation. Well, I'll tell you what, though. The time is now for, for Liga Mekis to pounce with this. The time is right for, for these networks to pounce because we, we tie it back to, to Major League Soccer and, and with, you know, potentially Chicharito coming to LAFC with a, a team coming to San Diego with, with the, the president of Univision Deportes himself as a potential investor. The time is now and Liga Mekis teams better wise up and realize that whether it's English speaking Latinos or whether it's just the American audience at large, that the time is now for them to jump on this issue and start marketing big time to the English speaking audience. Otherwise, for, and, and I love that you bring up the terms first, second, third generation. What's going to happen if Liga Mayakis doesn't jump at this issue right now? is a few years from now, you're going to have Major League Soccer basically commanding the second and third generation Latino market. It will happen over time unless Liga Miyakis jump right now, jump which it late. seems like they may be doing. I would, I would have to disagree with you on that, the second and third generation, because there's still one, there's still one little detail why many still won't convert in that style of play. And if you go down the line, if you go down the list – of Major League Soccer, and you go down the coaches. Most of those coaches are not possession oriented uh, coaching. So that I mean that 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 to me is key. That may be true, but I still I still think that second generation 
aren't gonna be interested unless unless their parents like like for example Dan, uh, Daniel's kids. He's gonna have to do some work. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, no, it's, it's the right. no. What, no I, what I'm saying, I'm glad, it's like, wait, it's like, wait, 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 wait. I'm glad you brought. I'm glad you brought me up because I'm a prime example of my dad put zero effort, zero effort into making yeah, a San Diego. Soccer. You're in San Diego, man. No, I, I actually. Well, I grew up in LA. <laughs> I've only been in San Diego for about seven years. I grew up in LA. That's the same. That's the same. Um, you it's probably, it's probably actually worse. LA is actually more Mexican than San Diego. Um, unless you cross the border, of course, but you know, my, my upgrading though was a hundred percent baseball, football, basketball. It, it, I had zero interest in soccer probably up until it wasn't until I guess the 94 world cup where my Irish teacher and my span, uh, my Irish uh, history teacher and my Spanish teacher just were constantly bickering about Did they the have world it out? cup. No, yeah, they were they were they were having at they were having at it all all the time, and, and it got all of us interested. Um, but it wasn't until then that I actually took an interest. It was just by chance. You had you had you had that environment though, and Perhaps. so kids grow up. You're gonna have to do a good job teaching them and having them like that, uh, you know, like the game well, and all that but stuff. But I, I don't Their think so, like well, ultimately, I don't think Univision is trying to trying to trying to recruit NBA fans. I think they're trying to recruit soccer fans who right. who are just soccer fans. Exactly. Yeah, and, yeah, and 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 that's the thing, you know, there's always going to be a fresh new crop of, of of new fans that are following the sport and a lot of them won't speak Spanish. But also also like the newer kids that are more like, you know, newer uh younger younger audience I should say I, that are I, more likely to I, watch I personally it think it's a brilliant move um social I, media I, oh, yeah. I think if, if, if the league is smart, they'll start doing their own broadcasting in English. If they're smart, they'll get more American players to, to, to just because I know my personally, I tune in to watch MLS only to watch Geo. Yeah. Now, so, on, so on, Dan, on the so flip Dan. side, there's going to be a lot of American fans who are going to want to tune in and watch their American players. Hey, so, hey, hey, Beto, Beto. So, so like, for example, when you're watching a, a, a game and a league guy make this game and then, like, you know, the halftime and then you hear the commercials and you hear those those commercials, like the sweet chat, they, 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 you know, like, <laughs> does, does that, like, bother you? Does it? That, that annoys me. Do you, yes. have, do you have anger issues? Yeah, that annoys me. But that, that's it's sort of like, uh, Ramita's, uh, like John was saying in the World Cup, uh, you know, the World Cup a few. Do we have that clip of that sweet chat there? I don't have. It. I can bring it up, but but that, okay, okay. that thing's okay. annoying. We, we need to bring this up. No, I don't know. Yeah, going to lose viewers if you play that. But my my, my point. <laughs> is, I'll, I'll stop talking after this last point. My point is that in the United in the United States, soccer is not the number one sport. NFL and basketball are the number one sport. So I'm not saying I'm, I'm all for the English broadcasting, and I think it's a good idea. But to get droves and droves of of soccer fans all of a sudden. I don't but, see that but, happening. But, but, well, hey, hey, they're not getting droves and droves because they're funded on fucking Facebook. I just, I just want to say how grateful I am that that you think it's a good idea. I just, I just want to say thank you for that. <laughs> You're welcome. Look, the, the, <laughs> but the, 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 the plan isn't to get droves and droves of fans. The plan is, I mean, they they want to get the only the hardcore soccer guys that like League of Legends that like finally can watch it in English are going to watch. That was my that was yeah. my punk band that I, I started. No, I'm kidding, but yeah. But I think you said you were raised in Alabama. <laughs> no, no? Southern no. Alabama is uh, Florida, Northern Florida. So yeah, pretty much the same thing. But Pensacola. 
Yeah, but yeah, that's that's the one thing that you guys keep keep getting hung up on. They don't need to be getting droves. They just need to get. They just want more. Right. Hey, droves droves bring bring money, and that's what uh, Mexican soccer wants. Yeah, but so does more. More brings more money. <laughs> droves bring more. Granted, but they're not. They're. I think they're being realistic in the fact that they're not going to recruit a whole new fan base out of out of, out of nowhere. They're going to be like those those fringe people that are kind of like literally on the fringes. Grab those guys. Guys, this is giving it's it's giving the the it's giving fans of Liga MX something different, and that, that's something that that drives me crazy with this debate. Is people so many people I feel like don't realize the reason you hear that stat Liga MX the most watched soccer league in America. That is purely based on built in cultural connections of people from family to family to family member to family member. And that accounts for like 50 million people who watch Liga Emeyekis. That's all that it is. It is purely built in. And that's what drives me crazier than anything is the fact that there's all this built in potential that then for years, ever since I was a little kid following this league as a, as a little white boy in Watsonville, all the way to right now as I'm, I'm becoming a broadcaster in this league and everything that goes with it, there is such a minuscule amount of effort in terms of outside-the-box thinking and quite frankly, it's hard to blame the Mexican league officials. It's hard to blame the people at any of the big networks over the years for going, God, we already got such a good thing built in. Why should we really mess with it? And now the impetus to quote unquote mess with it is being provided by everything that could happen with major league soccer over the next few years with everything with the growth of soccer in America, everything with English speaking Latino audiences there is all the more reason for this to happen now and it's not going to be droves to begin with it's going to be something different to begin with that could turn in to a vast beautiful cultural movement that i hope we are all an integral part of have you guys uh how many of you guys watch espn on, on like on a saturday night espn 8 the ocho Whichever, whichever one of the of the of the family of ESPN. Yeah, any of those. In their crawl, they have the Liga MX scores. ESPN does on like Saturday nights on like on college football nights. So when Alabama's on TV, it says you know Santos dos Cruz Azul cero on the crawl. So I mean, I mean, again, you know, if, and and for and folks like us, folks like Nate, and all the folks that you mentioned earlier, Nate, all the folks on the Riders in California, and Tom, all those guys, you know, we we we've been giving Liga Mekis the publicity that that they that they want in English, trying to develop more fans for it because you know we like it, we know it's good, we're trying to. That's the message we want to let the rest of the country in on. Hey, you know what? There's a league that has been playing. Very good soccer for a very long time. That's just down the street. That hey, maybe if you guys like soccer, why don't you start watching some of these games? That's what they're doing. They're they're just introducing it to a new audience, but they have to do it slowly. Because if they wanted to do it wholeheartedly, they would put it on one of their channels. <laughs> right. I'm in complete agreement. And, and again, it's going to be, uh, you're, 
I think you're of age enough to remember a movie uh, called What About Bob? Uh, great, great Bill Murray movie, and it, it's all about baby steps. It's all Don't about call, baby steps. With come this. on, Nate. Let, let, let's not call John old, man. Be nice. I, I didn't. Hey. If you heard the way I phrased that, I said I think he's uh, of age. <laughs> By the way, what about Bob was a uh, Harold Ramis writer? That dude, have, have you ever seen his writing list of credits? He he died recently, didn't he? He did. He died a couple years ago. I mean, we really lost somebody there. I mean, if you get a chance, uh, go down, go to IMDb and, and look at all the movies that he wrote. It is. It is impressive. Baby steps, guys. Baby yeah. steps. I'm telling you. <laughs> now, before before we uh, before we go, uh, and we we are with uh, with uh, Nate Aguirre, which we thank uh, for having on the show. It's been it's been a lot of fun uh, debating and and chatlando and doing the whole bit with you. So 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 thank you for joining us. But we do have to let Joel just gloat just just a little bit. Oh, <laughs> just, uh, and, then then, and then then we'll get into the super basket. So just Joel. Do you want to gloat? Do you want to gloat whole in English or in Spanish? <laughs> I've been doing it in English. John. English. All right, here you go. Here you go. Here you go. Past two years. Here you go. Here you go. <laughs> All right, so we'll so let you gloat a little bit, and then we'll go right into the classical. So so go ahead. Actually, I have nothing to gloat about right now, John. I mean. When the when the classical tap, so you, let's, just, even, so let's just I'm, jump right in. Jump I'm not right even feeling class. that that confident. Chivas hasn't been, been like they haven't been a good team at home. Where Chivas you know? is on, on on the road to Copa MX Campeonismo, man. Hey. Come on, man. But we're talking about the, yes, the, 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 the yeah, we're talking about the league here. The, right the league. Yeah, no, at home they're just I don't know, man. It, it's Almeida's curse. He just can't win at home, at least not convincingly or or established. Uh, you know, a good home field advantage. So, so, so uh, let me let me understand you, Juan. So, if, if you were if you were in Vegas, if you were at the craps table, and, and and basically Chivas is up there rolling the dice, you would put money on them to throw the snake eyes. Yeah, I, I, but you know what? Uh, I think uh, America is going to be without their striker. Could you walk up and bet uh, against your team like that? Can Can you walk? No, up I and, wouldn't. I wouldn't bet against. Yeah. I, I never have. <laughs> No, I see a tie coming up. A tie. Sco- yeah, goal, goals or no goals? Uh, probably one. It'll be a four four and four goal uh, tie. Go- no, I I got the other one right against uh, Santos. So. Um, well, that was I mean, that was the uh, that was what you wanted. It was like your dream come true. I, I've been pretty spot on with my predictions, uh, as you know, John. Both, you have. I mean, America and Tigres you've, doing bad. You've been right fifty-two percent of the time, Hall. That's been impressive. Fifty-two percent of the time, I've been right all of the That's time. Right. No, right. um, yeah, no. So far for the league, I, I've been pretty spot on with Santos doing good. Uh, and then uh, Cholos doing good. I, I, I knew they were gonna do good, and I expected uh, America and Tigres to just have a rough start. Just kind of funny with something we talked about earlier about crisis. Yeah. And America's only six points from first place, but it's somehow they're having the worst season ever. Just mostly, they've already, you know, Pelas has said it would have to take a total catastrophe for us to, for us to fire them. Which, of course, now La Volpe has been challenged. Oh, you want a catastrophe? Let me show you a catastrophe. You know, he's, <laughs> you know, he's, 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 he's the gauntlet has been thrown. No, but yeah, I think I think everything would be, you know, every, everything's in place for Chivas. It should be at least for them to get a really good result against America, especially at home. Uh, but I just, 
just you know they baffled me how they are at home and and since I've been watching Chivas all these years I've, I've never seen them uh, lose so many uh, not take advantage of so many so many games at home where they, they played with a man up or where they got penalty kicks and, and they still can win even even this game just now against uh, Venados the penalty yeah. They were using they were using the, the beat. That was a penalty. Yeah. Would yeah, it was on a penalty. That, was, that wasn't a penalty or was it a penalty? He took a dive. It was a clear dive. Hey, but there's yeah, she was instantly going in. Well, a, it was a damn good dive. He took a dive because he totally sold me. <laughs> no, if, if you know, just the number of penalties they've been getting the last couple seasons and well, you know, uh, records in their favor, it's been a lot. And to not be able to take advantage of that, it's you know. Kind of sucks. Now we need to hear from the other side of the coin here, Jose. So we need to bring in bring in Ronnie. <laughs> if, if he's still with us, I hope hey, he is. No, no, I'm here. All right. So, Ron, I got to tell you, this, this is this is a classic slump buster coming up. Yeah, I, for, I think that Chivas is going to be the uh, the Gordiwapa of the weekend. Slump <laughs> so I, I think that. Uh, no, I, I, like I said, I don't buy the whole crisis crap. I mean, the, not even I a would, little bit. I do. No, I buy it. Oh man, Dude, I think six points from first what, place. How no, is that a crisis? I got some. Uh, I got bridge to sell you. Hey, Beto, I got the. I got they got. The, they got. The, a, they got bridge. eleven. Eleven games to play. This, this is <laughs> all they have to do is make the top eight. That's all they have to do. I get that, but they've looked especially bad. At least in yeah, my but they, they didn't have a preseason. Why am I defending America? I think so many people forget that Ricardo Lavolpe was brought into this team to as a stopgap solution to begin with. He was brought into this team last year as a Band-Aid solution. And you know what happens when you put a Band-Aid on instead of really taking care of the wound is eventually you're going to need another Band-Aid. And I think this is the day. This is Saturday is going to be the day when the band aid finally the, comes off. I think this is going to be the day of reckoning for La Volpe. Day of reckoning for La Volpe. Wow. If, I mean, if, am, I, am I wrong here to say if if they lose, he gets the sack? I mean, it's it's a hundred percent. I don't think. If, I don't think he will. If I they mean, based lose, based on what Ronnie's saying, who, 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 who replaces him? Who replaces him? Oh, who, who do you think? Uh, who do you think? Muse. No, no, no. The the cabezon man. The cabezon. Cabezon has cleared his calendar. He's he is he is ready. He's waiting for. You know who they've been targeting is Marcelo Gallardo, the River Plate coach. Yeah. El Muñeco, but Buse can't because Buse. Uh, if you if you coached during the season, you you have to wait until the next one. Yes, that's gonna be my boy, El Cabezon Luna. <laughs> El Bombero. <laughs> El Bombero. Uh, uh, look, Felice is not stupid. Yeah, he, not knows, he, he knows. Look, La Volpe, he came in. He knows it wasn't his team and not his guys. So exactly. I mean, he, he's waiting for the summer. After also, the summer, after the summer, when he you know when he brings in his his crew and his and his you know, his players and stuff like that, I think that's when the criticism I think will be a little bit more. Uh, but- more fair. But you know what, Ron? There's been yeah. already, and it's something I alluded to uh, right here. John will back me up on this. There's been some shakeups going up at, uh, you know, with the directiva, and it's been uh, between 
Pelayas and uh, Pepe Romano. Uh, yeah, I, I brought that up what was it, last week when when I said that uh, it obviously pissed off uh, Pelayas that uh, that that uh, they when the, the whole much much went down. Oh, yeah, uh, they didn't you know they didn't I guess have the uh, the foresight to to, to tell them. To, yeah, to, to tell, tell them, them hey, Oh, by yeah. the way, we, we made a change for you. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's obviously like that, but you know, like like I said, and uh, and one of the things that La Volpe, you know, has has mentioned a couple times was you know his his uh, his tenure was in Boca this? Juniors. El fútbol algunas veces, en mi punto de vista, es como un ajedrez. Where he where he brought up his where he brought his uh, the Boca Juniors uh, his his I mean they went poor before him, but one of the things that he did was. Right from the get-go, he started. He started. He started changing everything that Basile did, and everything that Basile did was working. Yes. So I'm just saying that you know, little by little, you know, La Volpe, you know, he's starting to change the, to, to his style, and obviously there, you can tell that you know that he has improved the club, the team in some ways. Obviously, you know the. Uh, you know when 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 what's his name Mambriz was there and the coach before him, uh, they were a huge. I mean, they were hotheads. I mean, there was but, but was was Ambris, was that was that the right move for him at, at that point in his career? What's that? Was was that the right move for him at that point in his career? I mean, obviously you don't say no, but uh, He did win a cup, didn't he? Did he win a title? I mean, he had experience, dude. I mean, he he coached in Spain. He, he won the Conca Champions, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He won. He, I mean, he he coached in Spain, or, or he was a sub. He was an assistant for for what's his name in Vasco. And I mean, the so guys. No, was it was it after that tournament, Ron? That you that you that you gave Nacho the ultimate compliment, and, and you gave the you gave yourself the Nacho haircut. <laughs> no, I think Flaco Ten also has that haircut, if I'm not mistaken. He, my, you, you could no, probably, not Flaco Ten, not Flaco el, el Capitan, Capitan Furia. You can, yeah, you can, you can cut glass with his haircut. That that is as sharp a point as you'll ever see on a guy. So, Ronnie, you're, you're so you're saying then America, America wins easily, huh? Easily. No, I'm not saying they're going to win easily, but I'm just saying they're not in. I don't believe they're in crisis mode. So are they gonna are they gonna win? I, I I think so. I think I think they'll win. And how many how many Mexicans? Tony, what's that? Without you're gonna be without the uh, what's his name? Celso? The, the new guy, the, the Dominguez, that guy. The Cesar, yeah, Cesar Dominguez or Cesarino Dominguez. I think I think uh, Chivas they're gonna go into the game in plados. I think that's, that's what's going to happen. Chivas is? Yeah. So you have them winning. I have a tie. Nate has no. Chivas winning. I got Chivas winning. You have Where's Chivas winning at? as well. It's, it's at the Omni Zombie Life. It's at the, yeah, at if the you, Estadio if, Chivas. If you watch the game from America, they're generating plays. You know, they're generating. I I, might, I mean, I would I would be somewhat 
concerned if they weren't generating anything in the attack. And uh, but at least recent history, though, uh, Chivas has shown to be uh, at least against America regular season. That's right. They win the uh, battles and then kings. and then lose the war in the postseason. Oh. Yes. Oh, sorry, sorry, Joel, but it's it's true. But that's, that's no, it is. That's it is truly. So, 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 Dan, are you, are you pulling for for a Chivas win then? Not pulling, just predicting. So you don't like Chivas, do you, Dan? You kind of. I don't like either team, to be honest. I I, I take pleasure <laughs> in watching both lose. I'm a Santos fan, but. Um, but I, I do at least on uh, at least on my my limited experience uh, with 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 both set of fans, I find Chivas fans more annoying. Now, now has, uh, has the rise of Cholos has it uh, has it caused in in, in 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 California there to be more Cholos fans and Chivas fans as as. Uh, or when Chivas wins, or is everyone going, oh, I've been a Chivas fan the whole time. Like I may that. not be the best best person to speak on this, but my experience, um, everybody likes Cholos. My, uh, my, my take on this, you know, being at the game back in uh, late July of 2016, I think it was July 29th when that, that 4-0 win that Cholos had uh, against Chivas, and it was the most opposing fans that, that I've ever seen at, at Estadio Caliente. Uh, that may change uh, on April 7th when uh, Club America uh, come to town. That's going to be amazing, and, and as late into the season as that game is going to be, that could be a pivotal game uh, in in this Clausura season uh, with Cholos playing America. But I, I think this is kind of best answered with just a, a more of a broad point, And that is that there are so many in, in San Diego and Los Angeles, there are in just Southern California as a whole. You think about how many fans of the Mexican game there are. I mean, you could, you could make a claim that there is a fan of of all eighteen teams in in Southern California somewhere there's there's even an Atlas fan. Well, that may even, be so. even, and I'm sure really that's true. He's really right, though. I mean, so I think so, is a, well, I want to get I want to get at something. I want to get at something. It's it's well, it's everywhere is Chivas Terra. Chivas are are the Mexican soccer version of the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, not they, in Texas. They own. No, they in in and in so many ways they're the 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 Mexican soccer version of the Dallas Cowboys in 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 many many ways. However, yep. what I'm getting at here is that one of the things with Cholos that is so cool, what has made so many people embrace Cholos, who and when I say embrace Cholos, I'm talking about people who will never who will never wear a Cholos jersey, who will never wear a Cholos hat, a Cholos scarf. They're people who are so grateful that Cholos exist because they give them a chance to see Chivas in person. Cholos is the only reason why all these Americanistas in Southern California are going to be able to see America play a league match in Tijuana in April. Think about in the city of Tijuana. I mean, Cholos have only existed for 10 years. Think about how many Chivas and America fans there are in TJ who who are so grateful for when these teams come to town. That's one of the most underrated aspects of what Cholos have brought soccer fans, Mexican soccer fans in Southern California is the notion that all the biggest names in the league they all come here. So, they all come to play a game in Tijuana. So Cholos is a is like a destination franchise in the sense that like there, there's a lot of folks that whether they come from San Diego, but I'm sure like I said, all the Americanistas that live in California are gonna are gonna try and make make the game. 
Oh, they're going to be at that game, and but but I don't, I don't want to take anything away from you know the passionate following that Cholos have developed. Don't get me wrong; they are everything I said earlier still holds true. They are a a San Diego team. They are the pride of Baja California. They are are as localized as it gets. But there have been soccer fans. There have been millions of soccer fans over the years in Southern California who've been fans of Mexican teams and of the Mexican game for a lot longer than than just the 10 years that Cholos have existed and I think that's one of the coolest things I remember talking to so many Chivas fans who who were who lived in Tijuana people who'd come across the border from San Diego saying man thank God for Cholos like I, I would have never been able to see I, I would have been able to see Chivas in some you know whack-ass overpriced friendly in in some stadium playing for some cup that doesn't mean anything but to actually see Chivas play in a league game how much see uh, Cholos tickets. Let me, uh, I'm gonna have to actually double check on that. Not gonna, not gonna lay out a price right this second. No, but that's, that's, that's so, that's so true. Cause I mean, I know that other border towns and I, and I don't, I, I really don't think any other, other border town has the proper infrastructure, uh, to for the long term have a first division team, you know, I know that Reynosa tried and I know that, uh, uh, uh what's the name, uh, Ciudad Juarez, uh, also, you know, had, uh, you know, I still think there's potential there, by the way. Yeah, I do too. Juarez is, uh, is... I, I don't, I don't see it. That, I mean, I, uh, I mean, they've been doing, they've been trying to do this since, since the uh, late eighties. Yeah. The, the problem is, is that there's no pod, there's no real big, Dual side, other other than El Paso and Juarez in Texas. I mean, I, like, like I said, I think I think that's San Diego and TJ are very lucky to have each other. I mean, for Reynosa, it's McAllen. <laughs> the, the Reynosa McAllen metropolitan area. You nothing don't know against, about the, the great soccer I mean, history of Reynosa and McAllen. Nothing against. Uh, I love yeah. the Valley. I love. It's my favorite place. Like it is my second choice to live in Texas. I, 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 it's like you know the Valley, right? You know, the, in the past couple, you know, past decade or so, it's it's been hit hard financially. But that's what I'm saying. Juarez and El Paso are. I mean, I've been in El Paso. It's not the, it's not the biggest of cities, but. I think it's big enough. Uh, Let's see, but but the, Juarez, the big problem huge. with Juarez and El Paso is, the, is, is as far as what what you guys are describing in uh, in San Diego, Tijuana, the fact that you have massive population centers not too far from not too far from uh, from San Diego and Tijuana. You don't have that in El Paso. It's just Juarez and El Paso, and that's it. There's, I mean, not, gotcha. nothing for five hundred miles. I mean, my I, for for another border town. To have a first division, I think the closest team that they would have to have, like the MLS, would probably be San Antonio. Yep, and and they're not the border town. Yeah, they're 150 miles away. Exactly. So I mean, I, I really just don't see any other border town. I don't think they have a. Uh, I don't think any other border town has a the uh, proper infrastructure, I should say. And 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 let's also let's also face it. Some of these uh, towns, they're they're still baseball. Ta- they're still baseball, more baseball than than football, 
Right. Well, Tijuana, it's funny. I, I love that point because many people, you talk to the locals down in Tijuana, many people still look at, at, at Tijuana as a baseball city. You know, but, Tijuana was, was not a soccer city for a long time. Tijuana was actually a baseball city. It still has a fascinating, uh, baseball culture. Was it Tijuana was it Tijuana or about the entire north of Mexico? Well, was I was going to say, oh my God, if you, if you want to get into Mexicali, you want to get into Mexicali, you want to get into Teca, uh, Tecate. But didn't they just play in the, in the city del Caribe? It wasn't the Mexicali or was it the, the Tijuana team that played in the... That was, no, no, the, uh, the Tijuana team is actually, funny enough, not in the, uh, the top flight. They did not play in the Mexican Pacific League. The team from Mexicali that just made, uh, the Caribbean World Series or just made, uh, made the finals there is, um, yeah, that was, that was the, the, by the, the Mexicali way, squad. By yeah, the absolutely. Way. Shout out. Baseball. Shout out to everybody on Mexicali. Baseball. Just the, the sport of baseball as a whole is missing out on a massive opportunity to play a winter tournament with the World Series champions and the Dominican champion and the Puerto Rican champion. Because I got to tell you, those would be some. If you like that, that would be some good stuff. And uh, it's it's unfortunate that they don't have the that they they're, don't have the they're good games, man. the wherewithal. They're yeah, they're, they're very entertaining and they're, they're competitive. Yeah, I mean, when you're talking about Mexicali, you're talking about a team that, that packs about fourteen to 15,000 into a stadium for every single home game. I mean, every game is sold out. It's the marquee event. You go down, even even in Sonora, and, and, and we talk about the, the northern desert cities of, of Mexico. I mean, baseball is is the game, and so it's, yeah. it's actually a very fascinating history in TJ of, of the game of baseball and something that everybody should, should look into. And there is a great relationship, the Toros, uh, who are you know basically the the Mexican baseball equivalent of like a a triple A AAA team uh, here here in in the U S. Um, the Toros and and Cholos have a great working relationship and do all sorts of uh, uh, cross promotion and and all sorts of cool stuff. So I mean it, it's so funny we we harp on uh, you know cultivating soccer minds out of American sports fans. You know how do we so- that 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 term the soccer convert. Many of those same struggles, I mean, the, the, the people at Cholos had to go through to, to get soccer to become wholly mainstream uh, in, in Tijuana with, with the baseball community. Nate, I, I work with a native uh, Tijuana guy. He, you know, born and raised in Tijuana, works in San Diego, worked, worked with me for a couple years in San Diego, and uh, not very much into soccer. He's very much a baseball guy. So, so it, it is interesting how a lot of them, a, a lot of people in Tijuana who grew up without soccer, um, with the proximity of San Diego, just gravitated toward football and, and baseball as opposed to soccer. Absolutely. It's interesting. I, I, I yeah. But, but I, you know what, Dan? A lot of people, at least way back, I'm going way back when, uh, I grew in Tijuana because I, I used to have family down there, and uh, they used to be able to get the San Diego uh, feed for television. So a lot of them would grow up watching uh, American stuff, like even like with wrestling. <laughs> so they had to become Chargers fans. So that's and, 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 <laughs> macho, and macho man fans. No, yeah, I would go visit my cousins and I turn on the TV. That's and savage, man. See, that's savage. I wanted to see, you know. Their version of stuff, and and I'm I'm watching WCW or whatever, and I was like, wait, <laughs> hey R- Ronnie, are you old enough that? to remember the Von Eric brothers? What's that? Are you old enough to remember the Von Eric brothers? Yeah, I do. I remember. Okay. Did one of them die in the ring? Mm. 
Man, this podcast just got dark. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> the, the royal <laughs> family of, of of Texas wrestling, the Von, the Von Eric family. I just uh, remember one of them. He had like a hurricane punch. Just <laughs> <laughs> spin, spin in a circle before he punched him in the face. That, that, I thought that was Super Macho Man and, and, and Mike Tyson's punch out. It was similar to that. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. It was. It was. Uh, no, no, but I think that's also part of it, the proximity to the U.S. So I think, uh, you know, had that cultural effect in TJ where, you know, a lot of the stuff was like they were more influenced. Well, obviously, uh, things are starting to change. And isn't isn't uh, the racetrack there too? The old racetrack isn't that right the next old, to the stadium? The old racetrack, the old dog racing track. Talk about old school, yeah. The Greyhounds, they're, uh, they're well, it's right been there for like a hundred years, right? I mean, it's been there. It's a long one time. of the, it's one of the oldest uh, you know, gambling racetracks and in, in all of the land. Uh, it's uh, there's definitely and and the the Caliente Casino is right there. The racetrack is right there. The stadium's right there. There is a uh, a a flowing nostalgia in play at all times but it all it all ties back to the present moment anytime anytime that opening whistle blows uh inside caliente whether i'm on the broadcast microphone or or just in the stadium uh you know nostalgia goes out the window and and it turns into a a battle for the present moment and and for those 90 minutes and and it is as good of a of a soccer atmosphere as 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 there is for for far and wide uh down here with with what we have uh at Estadio Caliente and, they sell out and, and it's something right Every every home game, uh, every home game in the league, at least the Copa Miyakis games, there's definitely uh, some some empty seats. But um, as far as as far as league games, every game is uh, is sold out and and just packed to the rafters, and it's incredible to be a part of. What kind of weather does TJ uh, get? That's awesome. That is awesome. Uh it it varies. I would say a, a similar so it, climate to that of San Diego, so it, rather a rather friendly climate. It gets rain. Definitely gets rain from from time to time. So why do they have a why do they play on a rug? <laughs> uh John, I am I am not able to Because uh, Ron's a cheap bastard. <laughs> Sorry, did I say that? <laughs> the Ron family. That may have that may have that may have come out there. Hey, look, I, I, I got told by, by Joel I was coming on the Cantina podcast. I didn't realize people were gonna, you know, literally be getting into the Cantina we've style been on, for we've been on two and a half hours. I think no, I'm just kidding. For about two and a half hours. Yeah, no, things are gonna start coming out here. No, hey, 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 hey. As far as the, the artificial turf uh, surface goes, uh at Estadio Caliente, um I not, I'm not a huge fan of it. I am I am a, a a soccer purist. I do not believe that soccer should ever be played uh, on on artificial turf. Grass is is where it should always be played. Whether it's muddy grass, whether it's perfect putting green grass, it should be played on grass. And I'll never forget uh, one of the first times that I stepped foot in Estadio Caliente, and and I was down on the field, and and they were they were watering, they were they were watering the turf. They're just they were they were spraying these hoses all over the turf. And I asked somebody, I said. I said, why are they watering the turf? And the guy looked at me and said, the guy looked at me, so it grows right. And I said, okay, there you go. <laughs> no true words have been spoken. No, I mean, the reason I ask is, is that, uh, I mean, I understand having artificial surfaces when you're in climates where it's going to be very hard to grow grass consistently. But, but 
that that's not the case in Tijuana. So that's why I've always wondered uh, why that is. So is, I don't know is there any other teams that have it, John? It is not the in only. No, Jolie, it's it's the only artificial surface in Liga MX. Because Chivas, Chivas had had it too, and uh, yeah, Chivas had it for a while. It took Johan Cruyff coming down and one of his last great feats. Yeah, uh, <laughs> getting that's the one chief of the... Well, Cruyff's yeah, parting shot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, Vergara got a lot of criticism for that because he was talking about ordering the most, you know, top of the line, most expensive uh, turf. Yeah, importing it from being, England too, and it ended up being one of the cheapest uh, brands <laughs> and stuff like that. It was like a level two when it was supposed to be like a level five or something like that. Typical Vergara, you know. <laughs> So, Joel, you, uh, you, you, you still say draw. Ronnie says win. Nate says Chivas. Chiki says Chivas. Dan, you said draw, or did, or did you say Chivas? I forget. Chivas. Fernando, you with us still? I think we know where he's going, though. Uh, I'm here. <laughs> yeah, you, going, you going Chivas, or you going America, Fernando? He's going uh, America. I, I think they're going to tie. Four, really? 4-4. Four. 4-4. Four, four. Four, four. <laughs> four, four. Wow. That'd be... Hey, Pern, when's the last time Chivas scored two goals? Mm, I don't know, man. It, it, was like, it was like 1994, wasn't it? It's been a while. No, the Chivas the scoring has been pretty, uh, you know, it's not what it should be for the amount of money they spend on. on well, that's why, on the they're, he's saying, that's why they're. He's saying Polito's going to get a hat trick. I think only the first game a, of the season. A, a, a long he's range shot. <laughs> Beto, have you been keeping up with their Instagram accounts? Uh, yeah, every now and then I'll I'll see Pulido. Uh, not too interesting as of late, but uh, I think he's uh, I think he's single. So does, does he uh, post more pictures after he scores, or after he scores? I think it's evenly evenly paced, not taking into account his goals. Okay, Man, well maybe you just don't know because he hasn't scored. <laughs> no, he scored against Bocanu. Like I said, well, I, I think uh, you know I'm. But, uh, I think it's going to be America that wins it. I think that uh, they're going to. Well, I, I mean, can't believe the, I just said that. The only way I can think, <laughs> the only way I can think that Chivas wins this is they're still flying high from their uh, impressive cup that they just recently won against Boca Juniors. The Titans of the continent. Yeah, yes. I mean that was <laughs> that was an impressive title. <laughs> that was just impressive and it was just amazing. Do you think, do you think Boca would have accepted that trophy? I mean, look, it, the pressure amounted to so much that you have Boca players fighting each other in practice. <laughs> Did that happen before or after the Chivas game? The, the, that, that was after. I mean, that's, 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 that happened well, it's because it the humiliation was so severe. The yeah. humiliation so, of the losing, losing the, the continent. That's right, losing the Chivas in such a prestigious sporting affair. Yeah, that that their fans didn't get to watch. No, no, the streaming service failed. Vergara used to fly uh, Boca in, in, in his uh, in his Omni Life jet. Huh? That was a long time ago, Ron. You're opening yeah, old wounds. <laughs> now, is it true that the, the Chivas TV was was doing a, a preventa of, uh, of of fifty pesos, which is like two dollars and fifty cents for the game? Yeah. 
So this is really their big, big test uh, for Chivas TV to see see how they do. This, yeah. Oh man, I just I just realized. Wait, is this game at at the uh, um, Omni Life? Yeah. Oh yeah, I get to see it. It's in Univision. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. A... It will. It will, it's going to be on Chivas TV. But that's my question. I mean, they're gonna. So they're gonna have Chivas TV, right? And I'm guessing one of their goals of Chivas TV was was to market it in the states where people pay to have. And then Univision is going to put it on Facebook Live in English for free. For free. <laughs> nah, John, I think we all know it. Uh, you know, I, I think the whole Chivas TV thing was just to separate, to break away from Televisa. I do think... Uh, oh, so you think we, it was it was a designed buffer? It was. I mean, all their players are coming from Grupo Pachuca. Um, all the business, the, even Chivas TV... Is getting help now from Claro TV, and for so, so sometime this year, Slim is gonna start Nuestro TV, and it's obviously he's marketing as the Mexican, hey guys, the Mexican TV channel in the U.S. and I'm, and you know I'm pretty sure he's gonna get the TV rights for it. Hey, listen, uh, before uh, before we continue, uh, we do want to say uh, goodbye to Nate. Uh, he does have to run. Nate Aburrea, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you, your time. Hey, thank you for for having me inside the cantina. Uh, I, I look forward to uh, returning for a drink or two soon. Absolutely, we really appreciate it. Uh, Neda Borrea joins us uh, here on the Cantina Mekis. He is the uh, English language voice of uh, the Azteca America TV broadcast of the Cholos home games in San Diego. So, really appreciated Nate's uh, point of view and his input and his uh, opinion and uh, the information that he gave us tonight. So well, it sounds like someone is really just cooking up a hot drink. Rose. I hear a bunch of glasses chinking. <laughs> sounds like somebody has like, like tried some sort of experiment, like, like, a, like a suicide drink. Let, let's put it all in and see what happens. It's too bad. I wanted to ask him whether at one point I wanted to ask him if, uh, if he thought the U.S. was going to qualify since he is a fan. Well, I think that the U.S. is in a very bad position right now. Therefore, we uh, – oh, wait. That was for Nate? Okay. You can answer for another. So you think the U.S. – Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I, you, by all means. <laughs> no, no, no. That's okay. I leave it, Nate. He ha- he has a con. No, Nate's, Nate's done. Nate, Nate's, Nate's gone, up. man. He's, he's no con there. there. I still see his little thing, but – Yeah, he's still there. He says, oh, still there. He says the U.S. will cost yeah, so. Do I have to like just sneak back in here and just drop this in? Did I just pull like the ultimate like 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 I'm a I'm a stand up comic waiting for my encore right well, there? Well, yeah, exactly. Here it is. Like you were leaving there. You heard the last call. We turned on we turned on oh, the lighters. Yeah. Oh, it's the most this is the most flattering flattering appearance on a show ever. Um, okay, we'll we'll leave we'll leave with this. We'll leave with this. They will qualify. They will qualify via. A final day of the hexagonal goal from Miguel Layun against Panama that will be the <laughs> ultimate returning of the favor of Sanguzzi in 2013. And the U.S. will sneak in to the final qualification spot in CONCACAF, and it will all come full circle, and Christian Martinoli can scream all over again. Or maybe it'll be me screaming this time for the USA, saying, God bless Mexico. We love you forever. And uh, third, there you go. Third or fourth place. I I would happily take third at this point. All right. Well, thanks okay, a lot. Okay, I'm man. leaving now. All right. Love you all. Thanks a lot. 
Thank you, Nate. No encores. No more encores. <laughs> All right, the, light, the lights, the lights are coming on. It's time for everyone to to go home. So, no, that was uh, that was good. That was a good conversation. We should uh, have folks like that on more often. It uh, it definitely adds to. Well, I'll be honest. It makes it, it makes it makes us look good. It makes it, it gives us a little more street cred. So, uh, we uh, we certainly enjoy it when we have folks on. We need to get random guy back on too. When, when, hold on, when is random guy going to join us again? When he's, you know, the, the thing was that uh, the show was not going to happen. No one, no one was coming on. <laughs> no one was confirming, and uh, we were watching the game, me and Chiki, and so we invited. We invited. Uh, you invited a random guy to to join us while we watched the game, and all of a sudden, everyone came on, and the show just the show, the show just went uh, went live. And, uh, uh, no, he was he was terrific. It was uh, it was it was definitely uh, definitely good radio. You know, it's it's interesting what what uh, it's interesting what Nate said about uh, about how Cholos Cholos really want uh, San Diego to have an MLS team, and it makes it makes a lot of sense. And and I do think that uh, that that, that the, if if Liga MX really wants to grow their Teams here in this country, they they have they have to join themselves at the hip to to MLS just to get more exposure. They have to, and then a way to do that is to play these cups. You don't think that? I think that's the 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 uh, epitome of Molero. Me too. Well, the, but, that's, but, the, but but I'm not talking about the preseason. I'm talking about an in season. I think one off. But what I'm what I'm talking about is that I think MLS needs to beat a Mexican team in Concacaf. They came close, right? When uh, Real Salt Lake. Those America with the uh, what was it? The Toronto. Then yeah, man, you're right. It was Cecilio Dominguez Joel. Man, that was. I think I think he's not going to make it. I think he yeah. separated his shoulder. Yeah. See? Wow. But 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 I think by and large a lot of Mexican fans don't see the MLS teams as as a as 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 real competition until they're able to compete on a, on an official in like on an official capacity. No, I I know, but but it'll it'll happen. I mean, I, I think if we don't help the region grow, you know, we're not doing ourselves a favor. By exactly. Now. And and we we should learn from that mistake, way back where Mexico was kind of snobbish, <laughs> just kind of looked down upon the region, and what ended up happening, you ended up having like Chuck Blazer and uh, Jack Warner just taking over Concacaf and in Mexico, and record, and and record, do whatever they wanted. I know they we used to wreck us. Yeah, but we it's need, not like we need press permission. But when, it doesn't look like Mexico. Exactly respected the, the the region anyway. I mean, if they had it up, if if they had it, if it were up to them, they'd be sending their the A team to Copa America, and they would be sending their best teams to Copa Libertadores. No, but, but, but still, it's grown. It's grown to where now you we do have a pretty good cup tournament with the Gold Cup uh, compared to before, and and you know uh, there's also. Uh, the club, the club tournament before it used to be like they used to do it over two, three days at at a venue, you know. So I mean, 
it's it's been growing. It, it's just it hasn't been that long, but but we see like in South America, some of the ways uh, some of these countries benefited was having this the proximity and having all these rivalries like like Argentina, Uruguay, Brazil, being able to you know play each other often. The other thing MLS needs to do is they need to go. They need to. They need to do the short. They need to do the short season seasons to to break up their calendar better. That was another question that I was wondering about uh, that I would have liked to have asked them is 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 the league really ready to grow that 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 by that much? I personally don't think so. And uh, me neither. And what I do th- and, and 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 I and I did ask that question, you know, or, or make that point as far as. You know that's putting a lot of pressure on the NCAA to come up with, you know, a roster full of guys, and and and, and I don't think that that they're up for the challenge. Number one, number two, I think what what it does do is I think that it presents an opportunity for a lot of players from, uh, you know, that, that maybe aren't getting looks on the uh, on the teams in Mexico to, to to find a place to play where they will play. And. Uh, you know, it's funny because Joel and I talked about this, what, like six months ago, uh, Joel? And Jorge Campos at the, uh, at the coaches convention apparently was quoted by saying the exact same thing that, that, that Joel and I had discussed six months ago that, uh, that if the 10A rule continues the way it is, that the younger players that, that aren't getting the, the looks are going to look elsewhere. Gonna, and one of the places they're going to look is MLS, especially with all those, all those new teams. I mean, that, that was, uh, if I wish I could, if I find the quote, I'll, I'll, I'll find it. But that was I'm paraphrasing what he was saying. Borghetti, I think, said in uh, recently that in about you know a few years, there's not going to be any Mexican forwards <laughs> at all. I forget what the exact quote was, but well, geez, there's barely any now. <laughs> I know. I mean, seriously, I mean, they have to call the guys they call because no one. I mean, because no one else. There's no one. There's no one. Else. So what's the issue? I mean, it seems like the the youth teams are doing a really good job developing a lot, good youth. It seems all the positions are being filled except for that one. It's uh, I don't know. It's just. I mean, not even from a like a a, a, a youngster perspective, you're not really seeing anybody. But, but you know what? Likes... But I mean, this isn't a this isn't a new phenomenon. I mean, this has been going on for you know as long as I've been watching. Yeah, but the argument's always been that it's been the foreigners' uh, fault that they're not giving enough chances. But I mean, it's not like we're seeing anybody exactly uh, raising their hand. I mean, I think it's it's uh, it, it, it's you know a lot of times that we you know we see the guy Mackey's, and you know we think that you know just because maybe other national teams do do better, like obviously you know their leagues must be very strong. But if you look at you know the Spains and the Englands. I mean, they go through. I mean, they go through the same thing. I mean, there's just maybe one or two national players on their on their teams as well. I mean, they, you know, you know, Spain had such a problem filling forwards that they just decided to play without one in the, in the Euro 2012, and they won. So. It, uh, I don't think it's anything that uh, should be surprised. It's been going on for, like I said, it's been going on for as long as all of us have been watching. But but four teams, four teams. Uh, that's well, like like a hundred players. That's a lot of players. 
that is a lot of play. That, that, that's a lot of roster spots available for, 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 for guys that may not uh, have opportunities elsewhere. It's a, it's a classical weekend. You know, we should, uh, if we're around, maybe we should do uh, a post-classical microcast if y'all want. I don't know about post, John. I could do in-game. In-game. Ooh, that sounds interesting, Hoyle. Because, I mean, it's in there at 7 p.m. Yeah. Well, would you would you would you be able to maintain your uh, a level of of calm during during the during the match? <clears throat> no, yes, I'm I'm pretty calm when watching games. Yeah. I think Ron is the one that gets a bit emotional. He has mentioned that he has punched the wall several, several times after after Nameti got lost. That's awesome. Stab. Get stabbed. Get it right. You stab somebody? Oh, my wall. I get Did I, you I kill stab. He stabs the wall. <laughs> what about the mattress? The mattress works. Ron good. Ron killed the man after after the medical loss. So. He stabs the mattress also. <clears throat> yeah, no, John. I'm at the point. I've seen my team lose some uh, some very important games where it's numbed the pain. Really? You know. So, so you're totally desensitized to it. It's, yeah, I become desensitized. I, I'm already like maybe like probably the closest I've come to really like. Getting like really sad was uh was the qualifiers when Mexico was almost they were eliminated for like two minutes. Yes. From the World Cup. That that I got to that point. That I just the thought of missing the World Cup. Okay. Somebody, everybody somebody everybody be honest. In those two minutes, at what point did Josh say, Man, they're never gonna let me hear the end of it? <laughs> How many? I thought it. Oh man. I thought a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of things. Yeah. It's just like I, more. Fernando, senator, shock and disbelief. Senator, Joel, did you think that? No, I did certainly, but yeah, but no. I mean, she was losing, uh, you know, losing finals or even <coughs> Libertadores finals or anything else. Is I mean, you know, it sucks, but you know, there'll be another game. So, hey, so Joel, I remember you telling me uh, this is this is back. We're going back uh, to '96, or not '96. So we're going back to 2006 when uh, Chivas uh, was before it was before the game uh, in La Bombonera, and uh, I remember for the you know for the title, and I remember you telling me that. Uh, you said that uh, if they lose, if Chivas loses, you you were going to take a, a break from watching football. Oh, that was that was uh, no, that was that was, and I did that was for um when they when they played Inter. No, no, no. This this was when they played Toluca when you know when when they know, won. The, yeah, when they won. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah Toluca you, had been. Uh, Toluca had been. Um, she was Coco, man. Yeah. And uh, they even started winning the game uh, with um, Marioni scored the opener. And uh, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, no, I did. I did. Um, I remember um, Libertadores and they had uh, they had Bofo and Cheech um, <coughs> and the, the team makes the the final of the Libertadores, and I, 
because this was when it was the fever porcina, and um, Mexico uh, threatened to quit the uh, Libertadores because the one Chilean team was. Oh, the because they had the swine flu. Yeah, but the Chilean team was just—they were just trying. They were just being sneaky because uh, they don't many countries. No, well, many countries offered to host. Uh, you know, Costa Rica offered to host the game. Um, some, I think, some Uruguayan club, and the Chileans were like, "Nope, we just want the points," you know. And and you know, Conmebol caved in. They awarded the game to to the Chilean side. And that's when Mexico said, you know what? Thank you, but we're out. And then, uh, they ended up making some changes. So they, they allowed Chivas for the next tournament to qualify in, in the, um, in the finals. In the, in the knockout rounds. Yeah, in the knockout rounds. And, you know, it, it was like, uh, <clears throat> I don't know what was going on because, like, if you're given that chance, you think you're going to try to bring in some players to to strengthen the team. Even they even let you. Uh, they it's even, in the bylaws. Yeah, they even let you bring uh, get refuerzos from other teams. And oh, they it's like they it's like they didn't care. <laughs> they didn't even try anything, and, and and the team ended up making the final, and that was just heartbreaking. You know, that's one of the things that they used to do back in the days in the Copa Libertadores where uh, they used to let the, the champion and some of the top clubs just go in toward, uh, at the, uh, just at the, the knockout stages. And that's why you have teams like, who, who, who is it? Is it San Lorenzo? No, Independiente. It's one of the big five in Argentina that they have like seven, you know, Copa Libertadores titles. You know, it's not Boca, it's not River, it's another one. Uh, I forget. It's like, Estudiantes. I think so. I think you're no. You're you're right. Estudiantes. Yeah, you're right. There's actually a pretty cool. Uh, in fact, uh, what was it? Uh, Bilardo. In fact, he played for Estudiantes. There's actually a, a video on YouTube about. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's again, it's Estudiantes versus Celtic because when they used to play the inter uh, intercontinental, right? And I mean, and uh, there's no. Uh, Love lost there, man. They it was a battle. Well, I got to tell you, the way that uh, they had no respect for for each other. <laughs> I mean, wow. like if you go back to the like if you watch and you can watch the games in their entirety, but if you go back to the '66 World Cup and you watch the battle, it's called the Battle of Santiago. It's a it's a game between uh, uh, Chile and Italy. Italy. It was in '62 because it was in Chile. That's right. That's right. In '62. And it's called the Battle of Santiago, and you watch the video, dude. It was just, it was a Royal Rumble, uh, and, and and it all started from uh, the press, uh, the Italian press, just basically insulting Chile, and it's just spawned from there. And I mean, things probably got taken things out of context, but you know, it didn't matter. Damage you know, was done. And, I would love it if the World Cup, if FIFA just decided to just to have. You know, they like put 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 their ridiculous stadium requirements aside, and well, obviously, no, I'm I'm speaking very um, making a big wish here, but just just go back to just playing tournaments in in the, in the countries they have the stadiums and just play the tournament. You know, just and, yeah. you know, you don't have to build anything. Just you know, what you got is what we're going to use. Yep. 
and that's why I like Copa America so much. It's because uh, you know they play all over South America, and, and you and you get to see the different a different style of stadium. And I think that's kind of cool. That's why I like the old uh, the old uh, FIFA games on uh, Xbox back in the early two thousands, where they'd have the the different venues, like the the Olympic Stadium venue and the um, you know the, the, like the South American venue, like the old the English Cottage venue, and then like the bigger Euro Stadium. And it was it was it was very uh, very cool. Well, gentlemen, I guess we should uh, we should wrap it up here. We're, we're we're pushing our, our our time limits here on the Cantina and Mickey's podcast, but it was a lot of fun. It was it was a good show, and uh, maybe we uh, we'll see about doing our uh, our our live show during the Super Classico. It should be a lot of fun. Joel, I hope that uh, for, for both you and Ron, I hope things work out for you this week. You know, one one of y'all is going to be one of y'all is going to be happy. One of y'all, or maybe you both will be happy, or maybe you both will be sad. I don't know. I think that party would benefit both teams. So, Kiki, thanks for thanks for setting all this up, and thanks for getting uh, the information over to Nate, our special guest. We really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. I got a uh, outro clip to play. Oh, okay. Time comes. All right, excellent. Uh, Daniel, glad you could make it. Pleasure as always, guys. You know, I forgot to ask Nate about the Cholos and their and their game against the Pumas this weekend. I should have uh, seen where, where where his heart was there on that one. Fernando, I know that you've been all, under the weather, but we do appreciate you taking the time, man. It's uh, always a pleasure to have you on. No problem, man. It was a pleasure for you having me. I think I think you're. I think the worm has turned for your team. I think that you're going to start seeing your team play up to its potential. Wonder if it was the. Uh, what to call the psychologist doing some therapy sessions? Well, when when they when they get the win streak, you'll we'll, we'll have to put you on it. You can come come back and give us a full report. <laughs> Good, Joel. Always a pleasure. Good luck this weekend. Thank you, John. Hopefully, we'll we'll get to do that in-game podcast. Yeah, it should be uh, it should be uh, a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. Ron, always glad to, to get you on. I'm glad you were able to uh, join uh, when you did. Thanks, John. Hey, what was the name of that book, Ron, that you said it was El, El Libro de Oro del Fútbol Mexicano? Yeah, it's, uh, the author is uh, Juan C. de Mulet. Oh, I thought you were going to say 1984 by James, I mean, George Orwell. Is it, uh, yeah. is it still in print? or? No, it's actually, it's actually the book. I have the book, but it's extremely hard to get. I mean, uh, it's a... Uh, you could probably find it in Mercado Libre. I've seen it in Mercado Libre for like, you know, a thousand bucks, you know, 750 bucks. thousand bucks. It's, I mean, for, for a Mexican soccer aficionado that really, you know, that really likes it. I, I, I would, I, I highly recommend it. I would, I would, I would pay the money. Yeah. If I just paid you like 20 bucks, would you just make a photocopy of yours and, and I'll read that? <laughs> <laughs> That's why. <I'm... laughs> no, but I, I, I am telling you dude, that that is. I, I don't know why someone hasn't translated it yet. Really? I mean this this book goes into so much detail, and, and it breaks down like football tapatio, football jarocho, football de hidalgo. It breaks it down by state. 
It tells you who all you know the, the teams were, how they formed. Uh, the only thing that does it, it, it's not a statistics book. So I mean, it's not right. Uh, there's a, there's another good book for for stats uh, from Isaac Wilson, but uh, the one about the history of, of Mexican soccer, bar none, the best. It is just so informative. Well, hopefully, uh, like I said, you'll. Uh... No, that does sound very interesting, and that's uh, I'm I'm always fascinated with uh, with 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 how. I've always liked the show. You're watching the show Connections by the James Burke show. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, 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 uh, that's why I love something because I, you, I love seeing the connections of how things end up being the way they are. It's, uh, it just fascinates me. So that that book is very. I'm very interested in getting a copy of that book. I'm going to see if we can if I can find it somewhere. You know, if if. Uh... If the First World War wouldn't have broken out, we would have probably kept an English, uh, a, a, a Scottish style of play. But, That's true know, because because uh, in World War One, Mexico ended up signing with the Germans. Well, what, what happened is that you know the, the Scots, the English, and all them, they went back to to obviously to Europe. Oh, well, yeah. right. Well, and, that, and, that and makes then, sense too. And then. Uh, and then uh, during the Spanish Civil War, that's when a bunch of the Spaniards, and, you know, people from the Basque countries and, 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 and other countries. So at one point, there was it was actually a more English influence than than, than uh, Spanish influence. Right. Which is also the case of what happened in South America as well. Well, they kept. I mean, they kept a lot more English influence than than, than Mexico did. I mean, yeah, there's no question. I mean, when, when you see the teams like O'Higgins and and obviously you know Newell's old boys, yeah, Newell's old boys and stuff like that. So that, I mean, they kept more. They did keep a lot of the English. I mean, River Plate, for God's sakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Mexico didn't. I mean, uh, really, other than Pachuca, you know, uh, really none of the teams. You know, our English in, in that regard, so, you know, they're mostly Spanish or, you know, from, you know. Yeah, the majority were Spanish. Yeah. See, like the um, the stadium, New Camp. Yeah. And then you had the other one. That's what they called. What was the yeah. other one? El Plugrana. Yes. Nemesio well, Diaz. Yeah. But yeah, you had obviously you had Asturias, you had España and stuff like that. Right. Well, we'll be looking looking out for that. So uh, we'll uh, see if we can uh, do this again on uh, Saturday night. We'll uh, we'll let y'all know if it uh, happens. But uh, thank you to everyone for <laughs> for listening to the Candina Mackey's podcast. As as it's it's last call. Apparently, everyone's leaving. I just heard the door close. So we'll. Uh, We'll leave it at that. Thank you guys very much for joining us. We'll talk to you again next week. I'm John Jagu. Y'all have a good night. Since Nate brought it up.